Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Wrestle Connection Podcast Network fans, welcome into the Wrestling War Zone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever is my partner on the show, Mr. Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good. How's it going? Uh, Loser. Yeah. Loser. Loser. So uh, <laughs> I hear plenty of that tonight for sure. Uh, yeah. I am good. I'm excited to be here. Got my NWO gear on because tonight on the show Bye. we are all NWO. Uh, straight, out of, straight from Warwick, Rhode Island, the shirt. Uh, the NWO got along better than, than members of AEW, it seems. Um, but anyway, in this program right here, we are simulcast on both video and audio. We're video on our YouTube channel over North South Connection. You can also find us on any podcast platform on North South Connection, and you can hear the audio version of this. And a lot of our content is simulcast, but also there's exclusives. So if you subscribe to both, you won't miss a thing. Follow us on social media. You'll get alerted every day as well because we have content pretty much dropping it daily. Chad, me and you are here every other Monday going through the history of the Monday Wars. We started in September of 1995, my friend, and here we are at the tail end of January 1997. We cover every week of television. We cover all the pay-per-views, all the clashes, and all the other big uh, extravaganzas that occur throughout this time period. And tonight we are on our January 1997 WCW pay-per-view, and that is NWO sold out. Yeah, I I mean, this is a, it's an interesting show to discuss, of course. Um it it was it was honestly one when I think about this time frame, I hadn't watched very much at all. Like like start to finish, it is one that you just never, you know, if you're wanting to fall asleep to something, it never mm-hmm. seems to kind of make its way in the rotation compared to a bunch of other stuff. I've actually been on a big uh, 1999 WCW pay per view can't go into sleep, which works yep. pretty well. Um, but we'll get there in like six years. But uh, for now, I, th- I think this is a, a very interesting show to talk about. It's one I think that's cool to talk about in retrospect because mm-hmm. obviously it carries a pretty hefty reputation uh, for all its shortcomings. 
Um, but as we'll discuss, like I, I definitely had some thoughts while watching that I disagreed with some of the kind of consensus on the show. So we'll we'll hatch it all out. It's Tim Cable Cateddy. I was associate this show with being sick. Uh, I had a legendary stomach bug uh, one year, oh, and God. this was the show I put on as I as I recovered. So I associate this with like not going to sleep, but like a being sick watch is what I associate this with. This this isn't the Rumble 2014, or is this? No, no, this was like before that. Just that yeah. one I had a real bad one. Um, the I, I'm I'm trying to think back in my memory bank, but I'm pretty confident I watched this live at my oh. my younger cousin's house. They were into wrestling, but we weren't like diehard. But like, I think we were, we used to go over there a lot on Saturday nights. And I think we were there and they let us order it. Like I vaguely recollect watching this in their house. So I don't know if we watched it live or if they taped it. And like, I went over that week and we watched the tape. Maybe like, it was something like that, where I saw it pretty quickly around when it was airing. Um, It's deep in my memory somewhere. I don't have like a crisp memory of it. Yeah, this is one for me that I think I didn't watch in full until, like, I downloaded a big torrent pack of all the papers uh, from, uh, in, like, 2007, 2000, you know, right. circa that time frame. So, well after the fact, where it was, like, all yeah. WCW pay-per-views, I just went to and, town. And I think it's one of those things where we're going to talk about it, like... The difference of in the moment versus a rewatch on this type of show, right? So we'll, we'll get yeah. into that. Um, do we have any news or notes we want to get into before we dive into the show? There's so- a lot to talk about. I think I think most of the news and notes will save. Well, we'll sprinkle in the actual show review comments um, from Keller and then Meltzer star ratings while they happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I thought, especially on the Torch side, both the Torch uh, columnist comments as well as some of the reader comments were interesting in uh, retrospect. So we'll get to that like as okay. we wrap up. Okay. So this was January 25th, 1997. Yeah. It was a Saturday night. Um, this is the week after the Super Bowl or was it the mm, night before? The, it's the night, night before, before the Super Bowl, right? Okay. Yep. So that's a pretty big weekend right there. I mean, that's – you got – Packers Patriots the next day you and we I remember that we, we had a big party for that Super Bowl I do remember my parents usually had an annual Super Bowl party but that one felt a little bigger with the Pats being local and it was a pretty big deal in Rhode Island with them making the Super Bowl so um big big weekend uh if you're a sports slash wrestling fan here in 97 yeah it's like the I'd have to see if the Rumble had ever done that up to this point I don't had think run so. on Super Bowl weekend yeah because, you know, that's become like a pretty synonymous thing with a big UFC right. pay-per-view before the Super Bowl. Like, I know Brock Lesnar's uh, UFC debut versus Frank Mir was the night before the Super Bowl. Remember that? I wonder um, if Dodie will do it, try it, with them running Saturday nights now. Like, would they ever yeah. run a Rumble on a Saturday night with the Super Bowl Sunday? I mean, it's tough because of the travel. They they book these as destination events now, so like probably less likely, but maybe. I mean, I don't think there's a ton of crossover though. People going yeah. to Royal Rumble versus no. I mean, Super, Super Bowl is almost impossible. Like, get, like yeah, yeah. Many average people aren't aren't going to the Super Bowl. No. Um. So it'll be interesting if they ever take a shot at it. I think they prefer to own the weekend usually, but yeah. Um. That would probably be more of a factor. Just like they would get very lost and muddled in the uh, news cycle of everything. Right. Um. 
they might not be trending on Twitter or whatever if something happens that Saturday night. So yeah, and and they have nothing um, against them that other weekend because the Pro Bowl is essentially dead. So like that off weekend in between is like oh yeah them to snuggle into. Mm-hmm. The only problem is going to be is the Super Bowl if it continues to push deeper into February. That's um, actually was it last year? Was it the same weekend as the conference? Yeah, it was right. Yeah. So the Super Bowl moving, they no longer have that that weekend to themselves. So yeah, yeah. This current year, I mean, it was Saturday was the Rumble in San Antonio. Sunday was the two conference yeah. champions. Right, right. Oh yeah, of course we watched them together. So yes. Yep. How can you forget that memorable NFC Championship game? <laughs> uh, great. Game. And Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Where I got yelled at for going to play yeah. a game despite the game being trash. Um, Here we go. Anyway, <laughs> tough guys. All right, what do we got going on? Bring, bring us in. Cedar All right. Rapids. Yeah, we're at Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, we we uh, cut to a cold open, literally a cold open, as uh, we see the downtown of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, mm-hmm. and uh, we get some dump dump trucks. <laughs> And uh, the uh, police uh, garbage trucks, the garbage trucks, garbage trucks, which is yeah, not dump trucks, garbage better or worse, yeah, garbage trucks. Um, you could tell it was freezing cold as mm-hmm. everybody's. You can see their air as they breathe. Um, so I mean, I think this is our first big talking point. Is this open? And uh, I know, like that in the Nash 1997 timeline, he talks about that. And this this is also one of those things that just is getting so maligned. Um, historically, the show, I mean, this isn't good, right? Like, I didn't think this was good. I thought this was pretty lame. Um, but it's not, it's not very long either. I think that's one thing that... Mm-hmm. This this was kind of my first alarmed uh, take was, oh, I mean, this is only two or three minutes. Like, I, right. I'd, I'd have remembered this as a much more stretched out, egregious opening. Yeah. Um. So as it was, like, it wasn't cool. It wasn't, it was a weird concept. Like, like yeah, if they'd have just came up in the limos, like they had, I mean, if they wanted to do something different, and I don't know logistics because I mean Cedar Rapids. This didn't give exactly the greatest look for Cedar Rapids overall in the the uh, metropolitan area. <laughs> yeah. But but I think a cool thing they could have done, which was risky, but would have been fun, was you could have had like the Outsiders and Hogan in like a helicopter or something, right. and like landed on the hell. You know that would have been different from the limo. And then you could have the limo with the B team that meets up with them. Um, but that I was just trying to think of something different that also would have been cool for an arrival. I think that was there. Uh, I mean, a, a garbage truck wasn't it. So. It's like they just thought of the idea that afternoon and were like, what can we get from public works that could that could work for us? Um, yes. I like it in a feeling that it feels like rogue and different. Right. So, again, like this whole show to me, you have to comp- compartmentalize. I can never do it. Um, compartmentalize the like giving them credit and praise for doing different things, trying unique concepts, making this stand out from a standard pay-per-view versus like how it holds up as rewatchability and did that stuff work. Right. So like, I want to give them praise throughout this for, okay, they're trying to make this seem different. They're trying to make it seem rogue and 
a little bit badass and everything else. So you got these guys, they're riding through the snowy streets. Like it's a cool look. Um, I actually think it did feel a little bit long. That was my only problem with it. I think it should have been like a 10 second clip. Like here's how the NWO entered earlier driving through the snow. And then maybe we start with them walking the building. Cause I like them hyping the troops up as they come in. Like it gives you like a fun party vibe that they're all arriving at the, at their party. Yeah. Um, you know, if we don't want to go to the air and the snow with the helicopter, you know, maybe we could have done like Jeeps, um, like army, like kind of like, like DX would do later that that could have been cool. Like open top Jeeps or something where you're still out in the cold in the snow, but you're like, it looks a little bit more badass than, you know, riding in the back of a, of a garbage truck. Um, so like, I get it. I, I get what they were trying to do, but again, it feels to me like it's something they came up with at the last second. And, weren't sure what to do so they just went ahead and said oh we just grab some garbage trucks for public works and we'll write yeah. those in. or something yeah. maybe it was like a private company that they hired or something I, I mean we should mention it's all in black and white and kind of that mm-hmm. scratched video i mean i'm looking now at two two minutes and 30 seconds is when hogan and them enter the actual building right so it's it's to me it's not like it's this insanely long drawn out um process but mm-hmm. I, I get it. Uh, before we get going, we will be mentioning the uh, Nash 1997 timeline, which I watched uh, with some of our stuff. I want to give a shout out to Jonathan Black, who's been leaving a lot of great comments mm-hmm. on our YouTube and uh, had a lot of uh, good thoughts from the Nash timeline for us to talk about on this show uh, that he left on the Clash of the Champions video so thank you very much for that um but yeah so then they're they're in the building they're hyping everybody up hooping and hollering and then we get the actual opening which says in color and they go to color and we get kind of uh you know the following announcement is paid for by the new world order type opening yeah um this and we'll have to think and we'll have to keep track but to me, I think this may be the best pay-per-view opening that the, that WCW does in this run. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about them having kind of weak opens uh, with the kind of hacked up like videos to just kind of promote the show ahead without like any kind of drama or storytelling. Like WWF excels at, especially even during this time period when the product is down, they still were fantastic in the opening videos. So I, I don't think I would debate that. I, I would say it's up there for sure with their best stuff. Um, let me ask you this. In your memory, in your mind, was this whole pay-per-view black and white? Uh, well, I did watch it later, like I said. So, no, I, I didn't remember that. I do remember, like, the color scheme. Like, obviously, the mat had the NWO in the black. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, so this opening has the iconic, like, we're in control, which Eric right. is. Yeah forever um he he's essentially like a dictator yes the whole thing um it 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 certainly feels like the chapter one to mr mcmahon's utopia that Mm -hmm. we at over the edge 98 um i i just thought it was very engaging uh, very different i like the whole overall presentation like i like him and dibiase just kind of hanging out while they're calling the show like it's Oh yeah, they tried to give it much more of a laid back feel 
to everything yeah. and not as polished, even though it is polished. But in my memory, it was the whole thing was black and white. Even when I watch it today, I'm still like, caught off guard sometimes when they go to color. <laughs> when it goes to color. Yeah, I don't know um, why I thought it was always the whole thing was black and white. But I'm glad so, it wasn't. Yeah. So we go to the arena. And uh, like you said, I mean, this has a different aesthetic look from mm -hmm. really any other pay-per-view before or since. Like, this is a very yeah. one-off looking pay-per-view. Uh, there's an even different type of pyro that they set off. Um, they have like three big screens and it's in like kind of like a pyramid with steps coming down the entranceway. They have a bunch of smaller TVs um with graphics there's a band they have motorcycles lined up the ramp and then like you said eric and dibiase who are announcers for the evening they're just kind of like hanging out like yeah. they're they're not they don't have an announce table they're they're sort of eric's like sitting on top of like a, a box toolbox or something mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a very different approach to a pay-per-view and this is where i think this pay-per-view excels from a concept standpoint because I think this looks really cool. I thought this looked awesome today, and I think it's so conditioned. Like, we just saw all, um, all in, and that, of course, looked awesome from a crowd scope size, right. and they did have a smaller stage setup. But when you do those wide frame shots, like it still looks like a lot of your WrestleMania your major mm -hmm. shows, whatever. Um, everything looks the same, whereas this looked very different. It looked cool and interesting. And um, I, I thought this was awesome. I, I, I actually thought this was a home run. Like I would love to see more like this. And I thought it was very ballsy them to do this because even – I mean, I don't think there's any uh, pay-per-view, and we'll get to it. Like, this was a failure from a, from a buy rate standpoint. Right. So it makes sense why they didn't try this again. Saturday night before the Super Bowl, we talked about it. Right? I mean, that probably didn't help, right? It's rough, but I don't think any concept-wise, I don't think there's been a pay-per-view in wrestling done since this. Except for maybe the first all-in and just that was the novelty. But I don't think there's been as ballsy like a pay-per-view in wrestling. Like from a concept, aesthetic, etc. Because even when, I, right. I I mean, I don't know. Could you think of anything? Like I was trying to write my head. Because even like the ECW pay-per-views themselves were, right. that was something. But they looked a lot the same as the shows. Like they didn't do anything yeah, radically I mean different. WF sets were cool in like the 2000s. Like, I'm trying to think of there's anything that really just jumps out. Um, I mean, I think Wembley for SummerSlam 92 maybe is one of them. Um, but no, this is a very unique and very, very different. Like, it's it's a cool concept. I think you're right. I think they knocked it out of the park. I'm curious if, like, well, I guess we know the answer because they don't do it, but like you said, it's ballsy for them to try it now. And I agree to an extent. But on the other side, they're not like, dominating and owning this war in, in as a huge financial success just yet right that's like a year later um and and they do start to play it more safe i think as this goes i think right now bischoff is still kind of in the house money vibe right they're, they're kind of winning consistently uh nwo's hot we can kind of throw some shit at the wall i think within the next six months or so they start to settle into more of a 
risk averse. Like we don't want to fuck with the NWO. It's working. We don't want to take as many chances. They're working right now. They still feel like they're on the tail end of that risk averse or not as being as risk averse and, and, and being more open to trying different things than they had been in the past. So, you know, I think the timing's right. I'm curious as to when we start to feel less different. I think it's probably coming sometime in 97, but right now, like they still do a lot of cool concepts and different stuff with the NWO. They're trying to be cutting edge. Yeah, I just, I just think it it took a lot to kind of for them to do uh, this this radical. It it, it it just this looks like any other pay per view mm-hmm. again, just now or since. Um, so getting all of that out of the way, I think we're ready for our first match. Well, correct? no, for, one thing I do want to mention: so Bischoff, when he's doing the introductions, he mentions Hogan and the Outsiders, and they kind of come up on the three screens behind them. Yeah. And they're riffing. It felt a little bit like a Disney attraction or something, like the Muppets, right? Like they're like the, the three of them. Up, yeah, it felt like the three of them were up on the screen, and it felt a little pre-recorded. Um, or like if you go on like the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, right? They have the skit on the screen. Like it felt a little bit like that. So I thought that was kind of hokey with the three of them up there, like talking to everybody. I would have preferred just like Bischoff just shit talking a little bit than than that. A minor quibble, minor quibble, but something that stood out to me. Okay. Loser. Loser. We'll get to that. That was an aesthetic choice, too. (laughs) That played more of a role in the second half for some reason. Our opening match is Masa, my hero, Chono, versus uh, Chris Jericho. Um, Nick Patrick comes out. He he referees all the matches. Every match. We'll bury the lead there, but he comes out for this one. Um, You know, decent-looking match on paper, I thought. when they show the Harleys right there next to the ring, uh, Eric, and there's a there's one of the Miss NWO contestants on top of the Harley. Uh, Eric says, she's a beauty, and Ted's like, that's a nice bike, too. And he was like, that's what I meant. So already <laughs> crapping on that. Um, you know, you know, some basic action to start. I thought I thought this match was an interesting choice for opener, and I don't know if it was just the whole aesthetic and the way the show uh, kind of works out, or these two may not necessarily mesh that well together. Uh, but it felt like it took a little bit for them to get into gear. We did uh-huh. have the um, thing right like two minutes in where the WCW wrestlers come out. Yeah, um, and, and what a crew here! So we have Sister Sherry, Harlem Heat, Brian Hildebrand, Mark Curtis, <laughs> the Faces of Fear, uh, Arn Anderson, Randy Anderson, and Deborah Mongo, and then Brian Nobbs. And when Nobbs comes out, we get a pretty hefty burial of Jerry Sags. Yes, uh, on commentary from Eric. Um, so, so I, I think they may have been waiting for that to really kick the match into high gear, but, but it's a little bit of a herky jerky start. Uh, also Eric right away gives a nice shots fired to WWF by saying that they have a packed house here in Cedar Rapids. They didn't have to give away tickets to our pay-per-view at a seven <laughs> eleven. So yeah, that's good. Uh, nice, nice one there. Um, uh, Jericho at one point kind of hurts his leg, and it mm-hmm. felt like that might be the focal point, but they don't really uh, – Chono doesn't necessarily capitalize on it very much, which I thought was a little odd. Uh, some more back and forth, and then we kind of get to our finishing stretch already. Oh, 
I did mention because I do think they show that this is another aesthetic thing, but um, they had that weird camera which yeah. is on the the stick. It was almost like a boom mic, is what yeah, it was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, they're moving it up like, camcorder, like where he can put it right in ringside, and it's a a real like bird's eye view. Mm-hmm. From the viewer's standpoint, I'd say the closest comparison is the referee yeah, that you yeah. get in Halloween Havoc. Um, I like that. What do yep. you think of that? I thought that was cool and something they actually probably could utilize today uh, with updated technology, and it might. Well, you got a really little ha- handy camera drone. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised they haven't used drones yeah. yet for like you know, filming like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think everything about this on this show is great from an aesthetic point of view. Like, I think the choices they make to make it be different. Um, I love it. It's early version of like XFL type shit, right? Where like they're like, "Fuck it, we're different. We're gonna be different. We're gonna try different stuff and be cutting edge." So they try and do stuff like that with this unique camera angle that makes it stick out and be different. And it, the only negative to it is it makes you think, well, "Why can't we always do these things?" You know, like like it does make you wonder, right? Right. right. Um, so our ending stretch: Chono goes outside. He sets up a table. Ted says, "No sushi yet." Uh, Jericho goes up top, hits a missile drop kick, and then uh, hits a lion salt for two. Uh, then Jericho goes to the top again. Chono hits him with the mafia kick, and he takes a bump through the table, which I thought again from a uh, was was different. Like we had seen table bumps and openers before, but like yep. Public Enemy, but that's kind of like your generic like garbage, garbage style stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. this, this felt pretty shocking, I guess, to get a table bump in the opener of this match. Uh, and then Chono hits another mafia kick to pick up the win. So, um, I mean, Jericho had been gaining some momentum. So having him lose to Chono, I, I didn't think it was awful. I, I don't know if there was somebody else you might could have put in this role that would have been better. But but I, I didn't have a huge problem with Chono picking up the victory here. Overall, as the match itself, uh, again, I thought it was fine, but I, I thought they didn't necessarily mesh very well, and I don't know if that's just the guys or the environment. Uh, so I only went two and a half. So one of the other cool choices they do is the NWO disembodied voice um, does all the intros and, and yes. kind of shits on the WCW guys, which nope. I found funny. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, no entrance music for any of the WCW no, guys. No entrance music. It makes it feel like real enemy territory. Uh, they're kind of coming out to silence. You get this you know, disembodied voice mocking them as they come to the ring. Right. Uh, so I, I like it, right? It's a little, it's a little lowbrow, but in a funny way. Uh, Chono gets the beat team theme which is great of course um <laughs> bischoff talks about how he first met jericho so a little bit through this you still get bischoff where he's like being very nwo slanted but doing his like giving credit to where credits do kind of stuff right he does that a lot throughout this um you know the ring is fully black with the logo patrick and the nwo colors refing looks cool uh you know the joke about the 7-eleven is good he, bischoff also brags about spending ted turner's money uh, at one point, uh, DiBiase asked what an SDF stands for, and Bischoff says, yeah. I think it's motor oil when uh, yeah, yeah. Chono was going for that. We also get a loud USA chant. Bischoff mocks that. He does all the stupid karate terms when Jericho does an enziguri, back leg, front round kick, or whatever the fuck he calls it. Um, he's always doing that. So it's really Chono trying to find a way to the SDF. Bischoff says he's surprised that the crowd is a little bit partisan toward WCW. He's surprised they're not all NWO here. Um, and then the mafia kick finish, I thought was pretty good. It, it was definitely slow paced. Uh, the Patrick stuff, you know, in there was a little sloppy at times, 
But it felt like Jericho was scrapping for his life in a fight against the odds. Like that's that's what they kind of structured this to feel like all throughout the show. Um, I thought his knee selling was good too. And Chono gets the NW on the board. So I'll go two and three quarters on this. Like I thought it was a fine opener. I, I think they're probably banking on something more when you kick the show off with this match. Like you're really probably expecting them to deliver something a little bit better. So I would say they're probably disappointed coming out of it, but it was not like a dud or anything to start the show. Yeah. I mean, so one thing for this show that we can mention now, cause they're not on there is there's no like cruiserweights really per se on the show. Um, I mean, 80 and six are the closest we get to that, but there's no, um, no Demolinko, no Ultimo Dragon, no Rey Mysterio, no Psychosis, Kuventude, mm-hmm. uh, etc. So, so an interesting choice there. Um, now, it is time for our first of many Miss NWO segments. Uh, so, Eric says we're taking a look at the lovely ladies for Miss NWO. Says they are changing the wrestling world. Eric shows some of the beauties that wanted to be a part of the Miss NWO. There's a montage of different photos and whatnot. Uh, Eric lets us know that's where it peaks. Yeah, Eric, Eric lets us know they had to pay their way to get there. He uh hands off to Jeff Katz, who's crazy. Like, Katz is like 17 or 18 doing this. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah. He got hired in '96 when he was 17. Oh wow! So he's he's a kid. Basically, he'd be like you. I mean, like you're around the at same that age point. As yeah, him. yeah, yeah. At that point, being on pay per view. Um. So uh, busy singing, waking up alone. Right. Right. Uh, Kat says, "Do you like biker chicks?" Also, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I was getting a drink out of the fridge when Cats first came on screen. And uh, when I was in the other room and I heard Cats' voice, I'd never put this together, but he sounded like Steve Riddle to me. Oh, yeah, voice. yes, yes. Yep. And I, I could not disassociate <laughs> both of them. I, like, <laughs> I agree, I agree. I was like, oh, my God. It's such a Riddle voice. Um, uh, and then, so basically, Katz is interviewing all the Miss NWO contestants. He gives them all um, a unique question. We should say the band is playing in the background, too, mm-hmm. so it's loud. So Katz says uh, to the first one, what does the term going all the way mean to you? Uh, did she say fellatio or fellatia? Or... It was hard to hear. I mean, honestly, I had a hard time. Um, <laughs> it was following what she meant but apparently so, so she that was jobs for further she'll go <laughs> yes yes uh the next one is asked about kevin nash being the big man and what does that mean uh she and how would you she tame would, him yeah said. how would you tame and she would do anything it takes uh cats asks for more detail and she doesn't offer any she's gonna so, like a sly smile did, this... you get, did you hear what he called her though no a minx after oh, uh minx. she gets a sly smile she's there like oh go. what a minx Oh boy. Um, so this was terrible. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this, but um, I can't find you know me, I'll look for the best in the, all the wrestle crap, but like this, I couldn't find it in this. Like, I, I think it's such a waste of time on this fucking yeah, um, show. I just I could not get into any of it. Cats isn't funny. No, I mean, the women can't hear them. I don't, I don't know. From I mean, I guess from a concept, it was like, let's get ugly women and crap on them but then there's some aren't i don't know it's it's a yeah. wild it's it's just 
Um, I but mean, they don't been, really crap on him. That's the weird thing. Like no. Bischoff plays it off like he's into it. So they don't. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily know if they were in on the joke until the very end when the yeah. winner sits on the toilet, which we talk about. But even right. then, I don't. I still don't know. So this it's antithetical we, to what they're trying to do is like they're trying to be cool and badass, and then you got like these ugly. I mean, they're not all ugly. There's a couple good looking chicks in there, but like, like there's a lot of ugly, and they're bagging on them like. You think they would have had the hottest of the hot, like strippers there? Like, that's what's that's what the seventeen year olds want to see, right? That's cool. We're trying to be cutting edge and cool. I want to see the Nitro Girls. I know they're not there yet, but like something like that, right? Like dancers and strippers out there, you know, with the NWO colors, you know, parading around the ring. Like, give me the ring girls. Don't don't give me this stupidity. Yeah, I mean, from a TNA standpoint, like when this show aired, you already had Marlena doing her flash yeah. at Shotgun Saturday Night. You had the tease of Sunny Sex Tape and that being resolved and what happened with that. So, like, learn yeah. from that. Like, you have examples from the competition to where they've utilized that well, and their cutting edge. Raw show. Magazine had been doing. The, the photo spreads like they'd already done the sunny bikini shoot they already done marlena like topless in the raw thing they'd done a sable one like so they had already been doing those in raw magazine also ecw had been doing doing it too like in 96 you know with kimona and with beulah and francine like doing the cat fights and all that stuff like mm-hmm. you know they're presenting hot girls like in the world of wrestling so that's one area where wcw has definitely been behind despite their peak here has been like the eye candy female stuff. Well, for better or worse, I'm, I'm not defending it, but I'm saying in 1997, like that's kind of where wrestling as they were becoming more cutting edge was leaning toward. And like WCW you have Sherry who, you know, was just gorgeous in her own way. Right. But she's not like a young, sexy girl out there in a bikini. You got Medusa who had just come back. She's not presented that way. Right. She's an athlete. So we'll get there eventually with the nitro girls. And then when Russo comes, of course they go all in, but for now, like they don't really have, that aspect the most we have i guess is deborah and woman but even they're presented more like traditional like beauty pageant like women right like like a miss elizabeth was in in like the 80s right more like that versus like a sexy young woman yeah yeah it's a um i mean i would say the angle they do and uncensored with page and savage with the Playboy, the NWO, that's kind of the edge that they needed to utilize for this. Um, it, it's just one of those things. If you're going to devote this much time, which this gets a lot of time, I mean, over the course of the pay-per-view, there's probably 20 minutes devoted to Miss NWO stuff. I, yes. I feel pretty confident in that. And so if you're devoting this much time, it either needs to be funny or hot you know the other and it's neither it's it's really bad this is easily the worst nwo thing since they've started yeah Yeah, i mean one one way they could have went with it too is they could have done like have half hot women and the half kind of not so hot and the 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 half that weren't hot or that they wanted to mock have them be the miss wcw and then the miss nwo or these hot girls like the strip club girls and then they kind of who's going to win, right? Miss WCW or Miss NWO? Like something like that would have been like better and more on brand with what they were trying to do. Yeah. So this was bad. Uh, <laughs> Hugh Morris isn't out next versus Big Bubba. 
It's supposed to be Conan. They still call it a Mexican death. Oh my match. god! All of this has been like a mess, like with this whole feud. <laughs> um, Hugh Morris is dressed like uh, Big Dick Duckley. He's got a tie dye shirt on. I, I don't know. Uh, at one point on commentary, Eric actually says Jerry Garcia. So it's an interesting new look here. Um, Eric does talk about the Macho Man on Monday on uh, commentary. He says he's not being blackballed. He's just sick and tired of him. WCW nor NWO wants his services. So find another life, Randy, because you don't have one here. Uh, Ted says he heard he was living in a box. Um, so so this is kind of your, I would say, your basic meat and potatoes match yeah. here. Uh, a lot of clubbering, a lot of punches. The, the strikes themselves I thought were fine, but I also thought the match itself was pretty disjointed overall. Uh, Bubba gets sent hard into the ring steps, uh, which I thought was funny. And then Patrick says, if you keep it up, I'm sending you out of here. Him threatening <laughs> a, a DQ. Um, uh, Jimmy Hart puts the boots to Bubba on the outside. Jimmy Hart and Nick Patrick get, get uh, into it a good bit in this match. Um and then a chain gets used. Um, so Bubba goes for a charge in the corner, gets smacked with a punch and a chain. Patrick asks if he brought that in. Uh, Bubba then uses the chain with Nick Patrick, like blatantly turning around so he doesn't see it. Um, and so, so a lot of back and forth with the chain stuff. Then Morse is able to hit the no laughing matter. That is when they say, well, you know, that still is impressive that somebody can do that at that size. So giving right. him his credit. Yeah, uh, Pat- he does that often all through this, like we said. He yeah. gives the credit. Yeah, Patrick does the count, but it's very slow. Morris gets in Patrick's face. Bubba clubs him from behind. Another slow count. Uh, Morris kind of puts the foreign object on his hand and clubs away. Uh, Ted says Bubba has done everything by the book and Morris <laughs> keeps cheating. Can you believe this? He's outraged. Um, and then uh, they start fighting up the entrance ray. Morris does like a variation of the no laughing matter off of like the third or fourth step. Yeah. Um, and then we get our finish, which was a little wild, where Bubba basically rips one of the Miss NWO contestants off her bicycle or off her Harley, uh, gets on the bike, turns it on, cranks it up. Uh, Eric says it's against the law to run someone over, but Bubba doesn't anyway. The crowd kind of reacts to it, and then um, Nick Patrick counts Hugh Morris out, so Bubba ends up getting the win by count out. Um, like I said, very pretty basic meat and potatoes match. The striking itself looked pretty good. I actually think Morris himself looked more spirited than he has in a lot of stuff we've seen on Nitro. Uh, but the match was just disjointed. It was it was again um, kind of playing towards the angle of, you know, Nick Patrick's a crooked referee. They had this finish that they wanted to do that I think they thought was cool and unique, but uh, it didn't necessarily execution-wise look that great. I didn't think him running him over. Um, and, and overall, this didn't really feel like a pay-per-view match at all to me. I think that's the biggest uh, grievance that I have against it is that yeah. this was sort of first hour in Nitro, not a pay-per-view caliber match. Um, so I gave it two and a quarter. I didn't think it was awful uh, when you just look at the match standalone, but uh, not great either. The inherent problem with this show and doing it when they're doing it is that the NWO ranks aren't built up enough yet to have a full quality card. 
in front of, presented, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, we're losing. You named all the talent not on the show yeah. that we would normally have on a pay-per-view. And maybe down the line, when the NWO ranks are a little thicker, like it could have been better. But right now, you're going to be stuck with these matches because yep. your lower levels are made up of dudes like Big Baba, like Michael Wall Street, Wall you know, like a Bagwell, whoever. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna kind of miss out on those. With this, would have maybe normally been a Ray versus a Malenko or something like yep. that. Um, yeah, I, that that was a grievance I have for this show a while. That's where I give this show negative. And I tried to think how they might could have circumvented that. Um, we know like NWO Nitro was only going to be an hour. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think you could take an hour of this show and present it and it'd be a very good show. Yeah. Um, if you were selective. Um, and I was trying to think like, I wonder, and it would have been ballsy and you'd have lost some of probably the set and some of the other aesthetics stuff. But I think it would have been cool if you had just presented a WCW pay-per-view and had the NWO take over. Right. Um, I don't know if you could have done, um, like maybe they could have thrown to the opening video package, basically like restart, and they could have really yeah. hustled and maybe changed the mat or do do something. Because um, we'll see. Like when they take over Nitro later on, it takes forty minutes or whatever. Um, so so if they could do that quickly, where it was still like their vibe. But they took over the pay per view itself. I think that could have been really interesting. Or just have, or just if you're going to do this way, just have WCW versus WCW matches and say, look, you know, we want to give them a chance, show something. what they got. Like they, they're going to be here anyway. Go for it, and then you you just keep interfering at the end or something. You know, like fuck with them. Um, yeah. Oh, we brought them here to mess with them or something like that. <clears throat> There's probably a way they could have done it. Bischoff calling Morris a big, ugly son of a gun. Uh, big you know, joking all about Dustin having a music. Uh, so DiBiase says the dungeon sent Hugh Morris to get revenge for Conan. But to your point, there's like, why was it a mechanism? Yeah, none of it made sense. Uh, the disembodied voice makes a tortilla joke. Um, Bischoff does mention Savage uh, being on Night Show, but it's brief and they don't say too much. And maybe the worst commentary moment of the night, DiBiase says tonight is a coup d'etat. Uh, meaning coup d'etat, but he says coup d'etat. Um, coup d'etat. Uh, Bubba takes some decent bumps in this. Like, I haven't been super high on Bubba through some of the stuff we talked about, but I thought here he actually worked pretty well. Uh, DiBiase wonders what kind of drugs Jimmy's on because he's out there being crazy. Uh, he's really just not giving a shit tonight. He's like just saying whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, I hated, hated DiBiase and Bischoff in this match. Whining about the rules. It's a death match. So it's it's this very it's a confusing presentation. Like you're hyping about how it's a death match, and then you're like, well, he's not playing by the rules. Why are they cheating? Um, like I, that drove me nuts. Uh, you know, Bischoff mentions this, the fans camping out in San Francisco for the Super Bowl tickets going on sale. So he's still trying to work in some WCW stuff in there. Uh, the Morris bump on the No Laughing Matter to the ramp was was pretty hard. I mean, he took that pretty flush. And then I actually thought he did a good job with the motorcycle bump. That's one that could have looked really stupid. Um, but I thought it actually, he bumped off the motorcycle pretty well. He, he had it pretty good. Like, I didn't think they, it didn't look too staged. Um, I thought it was surprisingly fun. Uh, I liked the drama and the hard-hitting offense. The crowd was kind of into it, too. To me, the worst part was the commentary. Like, it, is, it just was completely counterproductive. Uh, I would say the match was a little bit long toward the end, but I, I did like the motorcycle finish. I thought it was different. So I went two and a half, and to this point, you're feeling like, all right, this is a pretty wild show. Like, we're all over the fucking place. We got these, you know, Jeff Katz with these chicks. We got the, the guy calling everyone a loser. We got, you know, 
whatever guy got rode over by motorcycle like like we are all over the place right now on this mm-hmm. show uh, another miss nwo segment uh jeff katz tells the contestant he's loser. Loser. then he says rim shot so i don't know i'm sure that was some inside joke or something but i didn't know um uh his question is, what would you do to be in Hogan's movies? She says, whatever it takes. These poor girls. Uh, the one, the next one is to Bischoff, I'd say, is the best of the uh, yeah, Lux yeah. aesthetic. Uh, so Kat says he has a $1.50 on him. She said she would walk away with the big bill. It's just, it's, none of these were... I don't. I don't know. I don't think they prep. I mean, obviously, they didn't prep them at all. No, not at all. Uh, but this I mean, is they thought disaster. they could do one answer, but they are not doing it. Oh. Uh, that woman, cat, the one that you like, said, "Cat's called her buoyant." Our next contestant is buoyant. Yeah. Uh, then they show like some dancers behind those three. They looked hot. Where were they? Where were they hiding mm-hmm. behind the screen? Yep. Uh, they also show the NWO website, which was like cutting uh, edge, very technology. humorous. Very, very humorous for 1997 uh, to look back on. Yeah. Our, our next match has that theme more than Michael Wall Street. He comes out versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Bischoff t- talking about Jarrett says, somebody get this guy a new outfit. Deborah's <laughs> shown in the crowd. She's cheering uh, Jarrett on Ted. <laughs> I thought Ted was pretty funny, actually, talking about Deborah and Mongo. Basically talking about how much of a cut Mongo is for yeah. Deborah. Yeah. Uh, he says Deborah has a lot of hot air. He's asking where the leash for Mongo is. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, he was pretty vicious. He that. was, he, I mean, I don't know if he was clean yet at this point or if he was still, <laughs> still on the smack. But he uh, he's pretty, like kind of let loose on this show he's not holding back no i want to see when he when he leaves the nwo i know what he does after but is there a gap where he gets clean in between like is he still on like drugs during the nwo time or i don't remember when he cleans up but i think when he comes back as a face when he's there as a face later with the dudes he manages i think is when he's clean um but i don't remember if there's a gap in between nwo and then that's Or if he goes right to be in a face. Okay. We'll see. I'm curious. Uh, so some basic action in this match. Uh, Deborah looks concerned. Jared does take a wild bump over the guardrail. Uh, but then, of course, Michael Wall Street, his, his attack uh, is so boring. It's a sleeper. Jarrett fights out, reverses it. Patrick says he had a chokehold on, so he makes him break. Then Wall Street puts on his chin lock, and this just goes way too long. Uh, even Eric has to admit the crowd's getting a little bit anxious. Uh, and then we basically go to our finish where Jarrett misses his punch from the middle rope. Uh, Arn Anderson and Randy Anderson are sitting next to each other, showing the crowd just a random duo to be together. I thought Arn Anderson looked kind of lame. Him as this horseman. Yeah. Just sort of hanging out with these referees and all these losers from wcw yeah yeah they probably shouldn't have him out there i mean it, it, it was a rough look for him uh jared goes after the leg locks on the figure four mick patrick pulls wall street towards the ropes deborah's pleading with mongo to interfere uh the abdominal stretch is utilized by wall uh jared first and wall street reverses and uses the ropes for leverage um that uh puts mongo has had enough so he gets on the apron with the halliburton 
He blasts Wall Street with the Halliburton, and then he threatens Nick Patrick with it. Uh, so Nick Patrick is kind of forced to uh, make the count. So um, Jared ends up winning here. Um, this, as a match, was not good. I, I thought this was easily the worst match, and I didn't think mm-hmm. the first two were very good. I thought this was a very poor match. Wall Street sucks. Um, it's terrible. He's got to go. And and even the finish itself, like the finish itself on one hand plays into uh, the stuff with Deborah and Jared and Mongo. So that's fine. But I think from a meta sense, it brings into question a larger problem with what's going on with this show that if Mongo is able to threaten Nick mm-hmm. Patrick with the Halliburton and he makes the count, then... Why are these WCW guys for the remainder of this show, with just the exception there. of Randy Anderson, just sitting there the whole show yeah. doing nothing, including the most egregious we'll get to, but in the main event where the whole NWO right. is attacking a WCW competitor, no one's someone that was in the Dungeon of Doom. I mean, the faces of fear were. I mean, I guess you can say, well, they're still not sure if he's with them because he kind of made it like he wasn't. So if you want to explain it away, but they should be interfering every fucking match. So, oh, yeah. I would have forgot. Yeah, I would have foregone having the WCW guys there. I, I wouldn't oh, have. Yeah. Or if you want to do it up until this match, then they realize they can interfere, so then they kick them all out. Right? You could have done that, where security f- comes and drags them out after Mongo interfere, because yeah. Michelle's like, "Look, we can't have these guys get involved. They're all out of here." Like they should have at least done that instead of having them continue. Right. Yeah, I don't think it was worth it with what right. we got. Um, and it just makes too many logic gaps. On, yeah, right. You know, Why aren't they helping every match? On. So, yeah. No, this sucked. I mean, I did like DiBiase at least bringing up his history with Wall Street. Like, that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a little bit of history brought in. Um, Jared's trying to pinball around and do some shit, but it's just like Wall Street is so slow. The crowd is checked out. The announcers are talking about anything but this match. You get, you know, Mongo kind of dissing Deborah when she's trying to, you know, be worried about Jarrett. We get another back leg front kick call from Bischoff in here uh, as Patrick is just screwing with Jarrett the whole time. Bischoff, again, is weird throughout this. Like, he's trying to show off a little bit as an announcer by calling holds in his karate terms, but then he's being, like, kind of a slacker goof with the NWO. It's kind of like that really... Um, like, the smart, cool kid who, like, almost downplays how smart he is because... Like, he wants to act cool is, like, how it comes across here. So, I don't know. Like, that's odd. Uh, we get jokes about Kevin Green from Bischoff. So, they're trying to keep him mm-hmm. top of mind. And then the finish, like you talked about. Bischoff, basically, this is the horseman of cooks here. Uh, I thought it was a dog shit match. It was boring and slow. I did like the finish. I did like the Deborah Jarrett stuff. So, maybe that helped. Um, you know, Wall Street is washed. He's fine as a foot soldier, but shouldn't be having these matches on pay-per-views. Like, I get, again, they had to fill out the cards. Pick them on Saturday night if you want to use them as a low-level dude. Yeah, I just don't think he should have been in the NWO. Yeah. I, we could have found anyone else at that level to stick in there. They didn't, they didn't need it to be him. Uh, I did like Nick Patrick in the match, so I want to start half. I want to start half, too. I mean, D- Big Dave gives us a dud. Keller gives it a quarter. I wouldn't argue with that either. <laughs> it's it's rough. Dave also gave the previous match 0.5 stars, so he's really not liking the show at all. Um, so rough rough start for him. Uh, Cats back at it again. Um, and and so the question on this was what like what would best des- what body part best describes 
why you should be Miss NWO, and she says her feet. It I mean, was very, this was very weird. This was, uh, you know, Sean Kidd running for the hills weird where she's mentioning her. Uh, well, first of all, he calls Jeff Katz the uh, the babe hunter, which is something. Um, and yet uh, we're in the senior division now. Like, like, none of this makes sense. Uh, I thought this was actually pretty, if you want to say cutting edge, I mean. You know, the foot stuff wasn't a thing yet in 1997. So I guess ahead of her time, uh, this this chick here was... Yeah, put her on OnlyFans now. Yeah, it was ahead um, of her time. And, but... then, uh, and then another... This is the one of the older... This is Isla, we learn later. But uh, what material would you use to buff his biceps? And uh, maybe um, talking about like Buff Bagwell. And yeah. she basically said, how would I explain this? And then he just makes a hearing aid joke. <laughs> like, yeah. what, it's all like your, a mess. your wonder ear or whatever, or miracle ear is not working or something. This, this was bad. This this might be the worst. I mean, these yeah. are bad, but this this one in of itself, I thought was the worst of the worst. So, yeah. All right. Our next match American males explode. Scotty Riggs versus Buff Bagwell. Uh, when uh, Scotty Riggs comes out, the. Uh, voice says he's always been number two the american male loser <laughs> that one made me uh, laugh that was pretty funny huh? the american male loser 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 um and so uh why don't you give your thoughts on this match first because i feel like i have a hot take on this oh, one. All right. yeah um well i mean bagwell's got his whole new look he's got a collar on he's got his vest uh, you know, DiBiase hypes his charisma. We are in B team theme heaven here, by the way. Like, if yeah. you like that song, you've got a four straight matches now. Um, I did enjoy Patrick helping Bagwell disrobe as Bischoff like talks up his massive arms, and he is huge now. He's already getting really big. Um, apparently, Buff is going on a Japanese excursion starting Monday, so yes. he's sending a little Buffy to camp to uh, improve perhaps a little bit. But he's headed to Japan. This is where we get the cool overhang. Uh, overhead camera a lot in this match mm-hmm. and it's got kind of a sepia lens which is cool like we didn't mention that before either it's not like the the standard lens it's got that like kind of faded look to it which i liked um you know i thought Riggs wasn't bad on his on offense he's just a nice belly to belly dibiase says buff has a new move he's going to use tonight buff slaps his old buddy around a lot uh bischoff is shitting on piper savage flair he says besides them everyone else ran up to connecticut yeah they're to the glue factory so he's he's really kind of going in on that too whoever's bailed out um riggs uh, the disability voice calls riggs a loser all through the match as he's getting worked over um you know buff picks up riggs's arm like a puppet and makes him do the american males dance which is which is pretty funny um throughout uh riggs he makes a little comeback it's an enziguri Bischoff makes jokes about the Packers. Uh, says the odds makers are way too overconfident on them. So I don't know if he's got a lot of money in the Pats or something, but he's he's tipping his hat yes. on where he thinks the money is. Unless he's trying to pull an okie doke and get people to bet the Pats so he can cash in on the Packer bet. Um, but he's definitely calls out Vegas on that. Uh, and then we get Buff's big new move. It's a top rope neck breaker. And we get the top, the overhead camera shot with it. So I didn't mind this. I thought the, the middle was long and sluggish and not a lot of heat. Um, but I thought the impact offense that they mixed in between the rest holds was pretty good. The crowd is getting a little restless. I mean, they've seen a parade of jobbers for the most part at this point, besides Jericho and Chono. Um, you know, Bagwell gets a hard fought win. I like the camera angle. 
I, I just went two and a half. Like I, I thought it was a perfectly fine match. To your point, this would have been fine in an opening hour Nitro, but this being your fourth match in on the card, and we're still like in hour one of Nitro territory is yeah. a little shaky. Um, I, I thought this was the worst WCW match we'd seen since the oh, wow. uh, Hogan April debacle. I, okay. I, I, I mean, maybe not mechanically, but just from a presentation. Yeah, because you like the camera. I like the camera, just that Buff is your new prospect, right, for the NWO. And Riggs, I understand it's two partners fighting each other, but there was no, like, struggle mm. much on that. There was no fight. So it's one or the other. If you want to make Riggs look competitive, make it like a fight. Right. If you don't want Riggs to look competitive, which I probably would lean towards, have this guy squash him. This match goes like 13 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd have went like four or five. Uh, you know, like Riggs tries the the move, the the American male move, their finisher. Bagwell counters, hits the blockbuster. That's it. Um, WCW is interesting with this. Like, I, I think this is one of those like where WCW and uh, WWE. WWF traditionally go apart from each other. Um, and I was reading Simon's review of this match and he, he brought it up and I agree that like WCW always kind of has a sink or swim approach right? with like these young up and comers where they're going to give you time uh, on pay-per-view and, and you know, it's what you make of it. Uh, compared to WWF, WWE, which we'll get to even in this series, where, again, I want us to track the first year of Kurt Angle and especially look at the match times that he has, even on pay-per-view, uh, because he just doesn't work that many long matches in that first year up to SummerSlam 2000's main event. Um, it's it's, it's kind of incredible how short his matches are and how much they kind of protect him, don't get him out of his comfort zone. Um, I mean, this felt really a lot for Bagwell that they said, hey, go out there. You're going to get 14 minutes. Like, show us what you got, kid. You know, whatever. And I just didn't think there was much to it. Um, the camel clutch I thought was awful. The uh, the PA announcer really started ramping up the loser throughout mm -hmm. all this match, all which it. I didn't think helped. Um, and then uh, the Bagwell sucks chant. Uh, keeps ringing out from the crowd. And this is where I was annoyed at the commentator because they kept saying, like, at one point Eric says, oh, well, you know, they're showing their support for Bagwell. And that, again, was like, was he trying to cover for him? Was he being, you know, this was part of the propaganda? I, I couldn't right. quite find the edge on that. Um, really, the, uh, the bump buff takes from the electric chair and the blockbuster that he hits at the end, which I thought was a good finish. And I thought Ted actually called it well, where he said that's his new move and then says it is the buff blockbuster. He names it. Mm -hmm. um, those to me were the two redeeming things of this match. But otherwise, I thought this was just very um, a mess. Like, I mean, we're, we're an hour plus into the show and, um, I mean, even by your metrics, nothing's good. By my metrics, like nothing's been good, and the, I thought this was terrible. The last match was pretty terrible. So, so the first first half of this show is very rough. Yeah. Um, and I, I just had a lot of issues with this. I, I thought this was very poor booking overall. So, didn't like it at all. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with it. The match itself, I thought was fine, but yes, everything yeah. you illustrated around it definitely is exacerbating yeah. the shit show. 1.25 from Dave, two stars from Keller. So yeah. is what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Deborah gives the thumbs down to Buff as he's leaving, too. And he gets pyro when he walks out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eric mentions that he was an entertainer before becoming a wrestler, and he said he'll leave it at that. So. <laughs> Just the uh, gigolo. Yeah, gigolo's uh, preview there. Uh, back to Jeff Katz. He has a funny joke. He says, as we know, Vince is the head of security, uh, but he has a cheap hairpiece and a blue powder suit. <laughs> so would you dress up with Vince? And the woman says, I can't hear you. <laughs> the senior division not going well oh, uh, before man. that too the local biker chicks are dancing and Bischoff and DiBiase are so horny about it like they're all horned up uh, Bischoff's hyping the camera angles groundbreaking like but it was so up and down this might be one of the most volatile pay-per-views of all time maybe that's the way to put it it's like the highs of the production and the and like I said the credit to them for being so different and cutting edge yeah. but the lows of like the decisions inside of that with this Miss NWO, the parade of matches we've had so far, it is really like offsets all the cool ideas that they had. Yeah, because it's even like, you know, you hear the term like throw everything to the wall and see what sticks, but I feel like they had a vision for what mm-hmm. they wanted. Bischoff had his vision for what he wanted the show to look like, and it it did, you know, by all accounts. Like this is Bischoff's right. baby, this show. And it's just like, man, how do you get so much right and so much wrong? It's, it's, mm. it's, 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 as a viewer for me, it was very frustrating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this is awful. So uh, then Kat says, like, would you wear sexy lingerie or something? And she says, sure, why not? <laughs> um, then he, to the next one, and this, this was my favorite. This, this would be my vote for Miss NWO Trish. Um, Norton says he didn't get the Flash nickname for any reason. Would you help Flash with his flashing? Probably, and she said she would add to that problem. So, again, she she was actually the most natural in taking what yeah. Kat said and trying to say something. And she like presented for the camera. You know, she smiled. She had like a little NWO sign. So easily to me the best of the bunch from a uh, so do you think they really fan. chose these women and had them fly in or do you think they just found locals like I, I think these were like if you can make the show you know come in and if not we'll there we are. local. yeah like you could be miss nwo I, I i think most of them were just like local and right we're going to the show or had applied and we're local um, that's the impression. Or I they got. just went to the local bar and said, "Like, do you want that, to that to be on TV?" It, it's it's very weird because some of them are so awkward, you just don't know if it's like they're camera shy. But it doesn't seem like they're like necessarily diehard wrestling fans. No, definitely either. Not. So I I don't know. It's a mess. Such a mess. Uh, our next match is Diamond Dallas Page versus Scott Flash Norton. DDP gets finally a loser. <laughs> Yeah, but finally something, you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah, this, I mean, the last match had juice because it was a team right. breaking up, but but yeah, this this one, this felt like a pretty good bridge to, okay, we're getting to the business end of the card, yeah. right? 
shoulder block by Norton. Page regroups on the outside. Some more back and forth. Page hits the black flapjack, calls for the cutter, but uh, Norton hits a jawbreaker. Sting is shown in the rafters. You talk about like easy paydays for guys. Mm. Like this was literally 15 seconds for Sting. Um, he's shown in the rafters, and then that's it. Nothing yep. come out. I didn't even have memory. I think on the last show you asked if he showed up. I didn't remember. Yeah, I don't mean either. Yeah, and so he, he's very briefly here. Well, we don't get Savage. That's a definite. We only no Savage. You know, we'll get to it. No Luger on the show. No Flair. So they're missing some of the big guys. But we get. I mean, we get Sting for all of fifteen seconds. Probably didn't need him either. No. Uh, shoulder. And this is another dumb thing. You definitely don't need him because if you're going to show him here then again why i mean and i give him a little more of an out that the wcw wrestlers themselves but again like why is he just lingering around while all this is going on and doesn't well if he's trying to tease that he's nwo maybe but like why wouldn't savage be with him then because he left with him so if you're trying to tease if sting and savage try to play mind games that they're nwo they should be here and okay we're, we're here because we're trying to make the nwo think we're working with them right so yeah, again, it's they're trying to go business as usual while not doing business as usual at the same time. It's right. It's an odd mix. Yeah. Uh, so a nice shoulder breaker from Norton to Page. He gets sent into the guardrail, some work outside from Flash. Uh, Page, in a very athletic feat for him, hops straight onto the top and hits a flying clothesline and then a mm-hmm. float over DDT. Uh, the PA's yelling Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, and next, out comes the finish, which is Buff. He says, you're the next contestant for the NWO. Uh, so he basically brings out the whole NWA, NWO B squad. So we got yep. Bubba, Vincent, Wall Street, and Buff all get in the ring. Dallas Page says he has no problem with these guys. I'm thick-headed. And then he starts talking about, like, uh, Buff says, I've cleared it with Scott Hall. Right. We're offering you the shirt. Paige says, you know what? I'm thick-headed. Scott and Nash are too. They got me. I got them. You always knew I was NWO anyway. Let's do it. So Paige again puts on the NWO shirt. Ted on commentary. Finally, he's all excited. (laughs) Norton's a little taken aback, but eventually says he's cool with it. Uh, Gives Paige the big high five. Handshake to Scott Norton, of course, diamond cutter, <laughs> slams him into the middle of the ring to a big pop. DDP decks everyone, and again, bells out through the crowd. He gets cheered on by Mongo as he passes him. Um, and then uh, Paige in the crowd rips off the NWO shirt. So um, I went and to Norton, an after. Norton wins by count. Norton wins by count now, which, yeah. which was uh, nice. That was funny. Yeah. Um, two and a half for the match. I thought it was fine um as far as this angle i don't know like like it obviously didn't have as much juice to me as when he diamond cutter hall and nash mm-hmm. uh this kind of felt like the sequel the the straight video sequel um it still got a good reaction from the crowd but i was a little weary in how it made the nwo look right like why are they falling for this buff. again yeah they're, they're falling for it again like yeah so. It's stupid. Like he didn't just change his mind. I mean, they're really pushing the angle that that Page's ego was bruised that he was asked eighth. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and you asked, he says this is a stupid approach, right? Like just join the team. Don't worry about when you were asked. Uh. So they're taking a, a pretty cool slant on it. It's not that he's loyal to WCW. 
You say he's mad that they didn't ask him. He thought he should have. He's he's their buddies. He should have been asked out of the gate. They didn't ask him, so fuck it. Um, Bischoff talks about meeting Norton as the doorman at Grandma B's, uh, and talks about he's the most aggressive guy as a doorman. And he would people would go to the bar just to watch him in action. Um, yeah, then the finish is just all the shtick. Again, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's silly. I think they should have the B team just come out and swarm Paige, and then Paige just like fight them off and leave. Like I think doing another fake out with the shirt was just like all right. This, I'm hoping this is it. Like we can move into Paige doing something more yeah. that they just had to get past the show. And they I think we do. But, yeah. So yeah. Th- this is time. Um, I thought Paige looks awesome. I'll say that the crowd is super into him. Um, the middle section is kind of whatever. The finish was picking up before the angle, but Paige is clearly becoming like a top potential star for them. Like it's, you can see it building week to week. Like he's getting over his his offense and in ring ability is picking up. The diamond cutter is super over as a finish. Um, all of this is coming along really really well. Uh, I went two and a half. Would you argue at this point that the diamond cutter is more effective than the stunner as a finisher? Uh, yeah, I would say by this point, I think yeah. so. Um, I, I think with the variations and it wins, um, the stunner hasn't really been established winning. yet. Yeah. It's like a kill shot for yeah. Austin. That's a, that's a neat one because I mean, really, those two moves stay pretty. Mm-hmm. I would say those two moves overall become like the two most over moves pretty much for the entirety of our run here. Um, yeah, I'd say Goldberg um, Spear probably Spear. Like gets yeah. there. The rock bottom yeah. gets there. Yeah. Um, pedigree, I guess, probably in the mix. But I would say these two are like the, the keystone throughout the entire run for sure. I mean, I All guess right. switching music for half. But um, these are the two that you'll grow to know and, and be like beloved. But right now, yeah, I'd say the Diamond Cutter's ahead, ahead of the stunner. We'll be curious when that turns. I'm guessing maybe after Mania when Austin really starts to take off. But right now, it's the stunner's not quite there yet. It's like a kick, wham, stunner, boom, wipe everyone out type move. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Miss NWO. What's your favorite wrestling maneuver and show me how to apply it? The uh, contestant says, I will, but there's children watching. That was at least something, right? Again, yeah, that was something. Masachono comes from a male dominated society. What would you do to make his stay in America more comfy? Uh, then she says anything he wants as long as I have some chopsticks. So yeah. I don't know if she was thinking he'd use the chopsticks. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> These are our most risque pair, I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Putting a live mic in front of these two was a, a move. Uh, okay. Uh, so now our, our big tag team title match, the Steiner brothers versus the Outsiders. We finally hear the NWA theme when the Outsiders come out. Hadn't heard that yet in the first five matches. Uh, Hall and Scott Steiner start off. Nice fireman's carry takeover from Scott and the uh the pump handle slam belly to belly also hit and the crowd is like into this nash runs in rick hits a ddt on him the outsiders take a powder on the outside um steiners maintain control until hall hits a nice choke slam uh and they uh this was a good point on commentary from dibiase that was on the neck and back of scott that he had the injury so you know they're kind of working on that nash gets tagged in and the outsiders take control um, but uh, Scott's able to get a foot up in the corner and gives Nash a nasty belly to belly. Rick bounces around with both outsiders, but catches a big boot and is on the outside. A big clothesline from Hall on the outside. This this was a, you know, they were going like they were they were going. Yep. Um, 
and and looking at the comments, and I agree, like, you know, we had Hall and Nash in the opening, but, like, for this show to be kind of something, you know, they created, like, I think the fan prism still was, like, the NWO was their creation. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for them to really be in that opening and then here, and then they come out at the very end, it's it's very light. Yeah. Um, and I agree with that. Like, I think, I mean, it, this show, we'll see if it continues, but this show felt like the first time I thought, like, the focus was way too much on Bischoff. Like, mm-hmm. this felt more like, oh, the NWO was Bischoff's thing instead right. of anybody else's. Do you think, though, that's because, I mean, he's just the voice of the he's show? He's the voice of the show. Like, it's yeah. through his, like, he's your Kermit the Frog of this show. Um but it's it's a little rough because I, I mean I think in in some ways it's kind of a cop out too because you can say like all the uncool stuff was Bischoff because he's you know a loser so right whatever, um, but uh, but yeah, um, I mean, you could have just had the outsiders yeah pop in and out of commentary. I mean they've been yeah. doing it on Nitro a ton like have them work the opening early part of the show and then maybe DiBiase comes out for the back end or something you know right right or just do all four of them who gives a shit like we're we're mixing things up anyway like. Or Hall does a match, then he leaves. Nash comes out and does a match, whatever. Yeah. So uh, Rick continues to get worked over. I thought this was good stuff by the Outsiders. I've actually been impressed entering with them. I, I thought their ma- pay-per-view tag matches for the most part have delivered. Like I, I think there was the one in like World War Three that maybe was a little weak, but uh, but otherwise I've been impressed. Uh, yeah. They give Rick a hot shot on the apron on the outside. Scott gets fed up and punches Hall on the outside. Rick it's a nut shot on Nash's desperation. Hot tag to Scott. Butterfly suplex, slide suplex. Uh, Nash goes to the outside. They put Hall up on the doomsday device, but Nash comes back in and hits Rick, uh, who bumps into Nick Patrick. That allows Hall to hit the outsider's edge, and he has the pin, but Nick Patrick's out of commission. He's getting crapped on by DiBiase and Bischoff, saying like him refereeing all these matches is taking a toll. You know, and he's uh, not doing his job. Nash gets sit into the post on the outside, basically gets knocked out. Um, and then they hit the top rope bulldog <laughs> onto Hall. That, that's also playing throughout. Uh, top rope bulldog onto Hall from Rick in the ring. And Scott pins, Scott Steiner pins Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. And here comes Randy Anderson jumping the guardrail and making the count to uh, seemingly give the Steiner brothers the win and the tag team championships. Uh, DBIC and Bischoff on commentary are yelling that this is a miscarriage of justice. It won't stand, etc., etc. Uh, overall, I, again, entertaining match to me. Some good throws, some good uh, control work by the outsiders. Finish is what it is. I mean, I think as a viewer, you knew something this probably wasn't going to stand just based on how much they were hemming and hawing over it. But um, right. I thought as a match, it was good. And it was nice to see a good match on the show. We'd waited a while. We waited an hour and a half. But I, for me, we arrived and I went three stars here. Yeah, I'm a little below you. I went two and three quarter, but <clears throat> still right right around that. Um, Bischoff says the Cedar Rapids chapter of the NWO is getting a Miss NWO, and there's a lot of responsibility for that role, which 
I kind of like that part of it. It's like it makes it seem like all right, every town's gonna have a Miss NWO in it. Like at least that's adding some lore to the to the stupid contest that they're doing. Um, this feels like the first real challenge for the champions since uh, Sting and Luger back at Hog Wild. Like yeah, face of fear, home he. Been, those matches were good, but like none of them really felt like legit threats to these belts mm-hmm. until now. Um, you know, Scott was clearly back. Like we talked about the clash was all yeah, okay, but here, like the double underhook, the belly to belly, like he's clearly feeling it. He's back in the groove. Um, you know, Patrick doing the slow counts for Scott, the bickering all throughout. And what I thought was one of Bischoff's funniest lines of the night, he says, uh, they're talking about Piper and the rambling on Nitro, and he goes, He was singing in a gadada in a uh, in a gada vita. Um, when he was getting dragged out on the stretcher, which I thought it was pretty funny because if you go back and listen, like it kind of sounds like, ah, oh, you know, uh, when he's going to get dragged out. Um, and the DiBiase says, yeah, all that Gaelic is just wishful thinking. He was just rambling. So they're trying to downplay that. Uh, the losers all throughout this match. Um, you know, I think D- Bischoff and DiBiase ponder if Rick is under the weather because it, or is Scott physically ready. Cause they're getting worked over quite a bit in the middle. Um, you know, the, the ref bump by Patrick was pretty funny. Uh, he, like, really takes a crazy embellished bump um, on the on the razor's edge there, on the what, outsider edge. And then the finish with Randy Anderson. It's pretty pretty iconic WCW moment. The next night on Nitro, or two nights later on Nitro, is probably more iconic for what happens. But I thought this is, like, a pretty memorable NWO war moment during this time period of Anderson jumping the rail um, and, and giving the match to the Steiner. So I thought it was a fun power match. The offense was pretty good. I like the pacing, um, but the energy I thought was a little off at times. The finish was hot um, and it could be a big moment for WCW. It could be an issue though, as well. Like you said, with DiBiase and Bischoff saying it was unfair, how it went down. He's not a valid referee, et cetera, et cetera. So like I said, two and three quarters, very, very good, but um, we're still kind of waiting for that big first great match. Yeah. Uh, we're thankfully spared no Miss NWO segment here um, as they kind of reset and then we go straight into our uh, U.S. title match. Six versus Eddie Guerrero. Six has the beam music. I know we think he's like the. Yeah, the it's one. weird. Yeah. yeah. They call him the ultimate swinger when he comes out. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I mean, I think when most people think of this show, they think of this match for anything good. Um, it's, it's a match I had an interesting history with. Um, always kind of been disappointed with it yeah. uh, until this watch, and I, I liked it a lot, a lot this time. This is probably the most I've liked this match, was watching it for this viewing. Uh, nasty spin kick from six to start. Really fast sequence resulting in a wild dive from Eddie to the outside right near Harley. Six suplexes Eddie to the outside. Ted mentions he wrestled two of Eddie's brothers. Uh, six hits the top rope Piscato. Uh, six goes after the ladder. Uh, some fan from the crowd, it's very audible, mm. twice calls six the uh, the uh, F. Gaysler. Um you, it's it's very audible on yeah. on on the uh, thing, so not great from one of Cedar Rapids' finest there. But uh, six slams the ladder into Eddie. Ted talks about how Scott Hall gave six pointers on how to wrestle this match as the loser. I love that out. talking point. Like, yeah, he says he sees a lot of Hall's ladder offense and the way six is working the match. And you know, Hall has legendary ladder matches, and DiBiase was there for them, so he can. And so it was you know one two three kids. So like, I like that he's calling that out. Like, hey, he's he's learned from his buddy how to work this kind of match. 
Yeah, I, I like that talking point too. The only thing I'd say with that is it almost made me think like if they were going to do a ladder match in WCW, like Hall should have been in it. Yeah, probably. That was the only thing. But um, but yeah, so a good tug of war over the ladder. Eddie slams the ladder into Six's throat. Some more good ladder spots. Uh, Six has control. He climbs the ladder in the corner, but Eddie's able to drop kick the ladder onto Six. And DiBiase was uh, like hyping up that movie. He's like, I know what he's going to do. He's going to ride the ladder down onto uh, Guerrero. I've seen this before. A superplex from Eddie. Six hits a nasty standing kick with both of them were on top of the ladder. That looked really good. Uh, the crowd's behind Eddie. They're chanting for him. And then they both climb up, both grab the belt at the same time. Uh, it kind of falls to the uh, mat. And then uh, Eddie hits six with the belt and then grabs the uh, the belt to win the match. So a really good match. I, I thought this... This fell just short of great for me. I ended up going three and three quarters. But again, I think this is a match, like I said, um, Meltzer gives it four stars. Let me see what the torch said. Three and three quarters. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've always kind of been in the camp that I think like of its time, this was, you know, more revolutionary, which I still get a little bit. But I actually think. It's one of those things where, like, the last time I watched this match was when we did the greatest WCW match project. And watching just this match from this show, cold, hurt I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say, is it just something where it's a product of the whole show being kind of shaky and you're thankful to have a, a really good match? Yep. Um, versus, yes, if you were to watch it just in a funnel on its own, um, in a vacuum, is it going to hold up as well? So, yeah, I'm with you, I think, on that. So, so that was what I thought elevated it. Um, I mean, I do think like six uh, utilized his offense well with his kicks and whatnot, and Eddie took some nasty bumps. And I did like some of the psychology before. I thought like the slow climbing had been more egregious here. I thought like they did enough of the big bumps to put over that they'd taken enough damage to kind of get right. some of that out of the way. So, so very good match. I mean, Eddie Guerrero's 1997 year is one we need to track. Because uh, he has kind of, you know, I was thinking in my head, like, as I was watching this match, it's wild that he's such a, you know, big heel in 97 at the end with the chance he's getting right here. Uh, so he takes a wild, you know, like uh, story arc in 97. And this this is a good resume match for him. It's easily six's best match to me, uh, probably since he came in the company. Um, so overall, very good match. Three and three quarters. Uh, the disembodied voice calls Eddie a Mexican jumping bean as he comes out. Like you said, we get the B team theme. Uh, DiBiase is very concerned about Nick Patrick's stamina. He's been going hard tonight, he says, which is funny. Uh, Bischoff had another great line here. Six hits a nasty chop, and Eric goes, "That even hurt Hector uh, when he hit when he hit Eddie with it." So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Eddie's worried about Six's concussion because he says he's prone to them. He's and he's had some himself as well. He says so he's worried that Six could suffer another concussion. Um, Bischoff, I thought this was interesting. Uh, he shits on Glacier and says he's a bogus martial artist and he hates fake black belts. And, like, he, this is the guy, he's put a lot of work into Glacier as a character and, like, a lot of time spent. And they've really built him up. So to have the voice of the company shit on him, even though it's like a heel thing, I thought it was like a weird approach. Like, I didn't think it was necessary to have Bischoff shit on that guy like that. If Bischoff was supposed to be an authority, on martial arts and he's crapping on the guy you're presenting as a martial arts star. 
It just it didn't make sense. Like it just seemed unnecessary, you know. I would have yeah, maybe had Dibiase do it, be like, oh, that glacier, you know, six is better than him. Bischoff, well, glacier's okay, but he's no six, right? Like, like do something like that versus Bischoff just shitting on him. Unless they were just super disappointed in him, but right. um, it was an odd approach. Uh, like you said, I love the Dibiase talking points on the ladder offense. The uh, the superplex was great looking. Uh, I thought that was really really uh, nice spot. The drop kick off the top looked really good too. Bischoff tells Six to do it for Alice and Chains. Did any clue what the fuck that meant? No, I didn't understand that either. Whether like Six his hair or the fact that Jackal was the band. I I, I didn't understand that either. I took note of that, but didn't get it. I didn't realize Jackal was the band. That's been my band. I have a uh, discovered them lately on my Spotify. I, mean, I didn't realize that was them. That was yeah, band. I think that was them. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, oh boy. I don't get the, uh, the joke on the, the Alice in Chains, uh, Eddie's like six in the head and then wins. Like I said, uh, very good. Six was great. Steer the match. I thought really mixed in some nice offense. He was precise. He was stiff. I thought they really used the ladder well as a weapon versus like just a springboard. So I like that. And that, that touches on the hall stuff. I would assume he helped them put this match together would be my, my thought, the way they talk about it, that he helped them figure things out. Um, I liked Eddie winning. It was well done. It was a different finish. You don't always get uh, where he just kind of falls down with the belt. And that was well structured. So I also went three and three quarters. So again, maybe to your point, does it pop as well? If it's as a standalone, I don't know, but as is, it's pretty good. All right. It's time. For the Miss NWO Finals. Uh, so they're all lined up. He runs down the contestants. Jeff Katz. Hey, let me ask one thing quick. Okay. Do you think Bischoff confused Motley Crew With Alice in Chains? With Alice. Because Nikki Six. Do you think, mm. like, he meant to make, like, a Six joke and fucked up and said Alice in Chains? Mm, possible. Just oh, that Axel. Yeah, right. It's right. Axel, I don't know, no, Axel. Yo, that Axel. Axel Rowe, Axel Rose. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, good possibility there. Uh, so, yeah, he, uh, Caps runs down the contestant, says, mm-hmm. cheer your backsides off when you see the one you want. Uh, they each, so basically, names them all. They you get all the names? Wa- uh, I didn't get all. all of right, them. I have them all. Do you want to okay. read them off? Yeah. Okay. Um, I did will you say get this: the too- fun fact for each one, or no, I did hobbies? not. Okay, oh. I got some of those. Okay. The uh, before this, so when they rant, they say the Steiners within hours they're going to overturn the Steiners win, and that six will have a new title because Eddie stole it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bischoff says he's going to talk to the executive committee, and it yeah. should only take about an hour. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. So the graphics we get have fun facts. They also have their measurements uh, yeah. on there. High um, measurements. Yeah. You think they measured them or they just have high color? You think they, they actually measure them in the back? I don't no. know. I don't Jeff Katz. Um, all right, here we go. Here are the names we got. And you interrupt me when you have the fun fact about anything. Okay. You have my assigned. So we have Natalie Gent. Hers was tapping kegs. Okay, well, not bad. There you go. <laughs> uh, Lori Proctor. Yeah, I don't, for Lori. I don't think okay. I had because hers was the first one was hobbies, and then yep. the next one was like her favorite quote, so or, or like a fun fact or something like that. And she said that men with bowling shirts turn her on, so okay. that's her. That's her. That's her thing. I guess her word of advice. All right, we got Rachel Trombley. 
Yeah, treating hangovers. Oh, good for Rachel. We have D Zierling. Uh, who got a good pop. Training Rottweilers. <laughs> we have Connie Leeper. Nothing for her. Illa Christensen? Yeah, that's the older, like, yeah. I would say the oldest of the bunch, and she doesn't even dance. Like, no. some, I mean, you know, like, I'm not, my dance moves are not exactly, <laughs> I'm not cutting a rug on the floor, but some of these dance moves were atrocious, and uh, Ela doesn't even attempt it. Uh, Becky Payton. Yes, Becky cooks bratwurst and French fries. That's her. Becky fun sounds fact. good. Yes. Then we have Trisha Resden with the fucked up graphic. This is yes. Mary. It yep. says Mary, and this is my favorite of the bunch. Trisha. So that would be my vote was Trisha. Yes. Um, but yeah. It says Mary. Do you want to pull her picture up? You had you had the picture earlier. You took the picture. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, we have Mary Coburn. Yeah. Uh, it says men in leather get her motor running. Oh, naturally. Yeah, and then we have uh, the last one is Jody Marco. Yeah, Jody. <laughs> Her hobbies: bowling, okay, and playing the lottery. <laughs> Losing, um, most likely. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing she's not your Powerball winner. So the um, <laughs> oh man, when I worked at the at the market, we'd get people oh. that would sit for hours oh. at the desk. Hours playing playing yes. scratch tickets. Give me yeah. another. I used there was one guy I used to keep a tally of how much he spent just on a notepad to myself yes. to entertain yeah. myself. Um, yeah, it was like they were all in. Now, uh, here's your girl, by the way. I'm gonna put her on screen. This is yeah. Uh, Trisha. There's Trish with her hang NWO on, sign. Yeah, let's see if I can do this better. Uh -oh. Um, so I'm not Tim. Like, I'm not okay, <laughs> there we go. So that's Trish. That that gets my vote. I'd give um, that to you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she she had the personality too. Um, now, uh, when I worked at the gas station, it was the same way. Uh, and I will say, um, when uh, did were you able to buy tickets, or was that like again? Uh, no, yeah, no, they didn't give a shit. Yeah, okay, okay. So what I would do is if somebody would buy a string of scratch offs. Because you have the odds on the back of them. It's usually like one right. in five tickets as a winner. Um, if somebody would buy like a string of 10 of them and they would scratch them off right there and would win, I'd always follow right in behind them. Yeah, just going the next hot. one. Not on the big one because some of them were like $20 a piece. Mm -hmm. But on like the $2 and $5, oh, yeah, always followed them. So <laughs> I came out ahead on the <laughs> on the uh, Georgia lottery working at the gas station. as a college Man, it was team. crazy. Like they'd be – I just, I mean, I, one guy would sit for hours. He would just sit hours yeah. and hours just – Boom, 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 uh, after the other. The, the gas station I worked with, the owner's mom, she cooked the biscuits and then the lunch food. But in between that, she would do the cash three and the uh, scratch-offs just constantly and mm -hmm. also smoke like a pack a day. So that was all she did while she was cooking the biscuits. The biscuits were delicious, by the way. Um, but a yeah, ash in there. Oh, yeah, a little bit of ash. It was all right. So her big thing, she'd always say, like, if I can just get back to Biloxi, that was like her promised land. Like she wanted to win enough on one scratch off or uh, on a one cash three that she could get back to Biloxi. Uh, I mean, she won a thousand dollars sometimes, but I mean, she poured in God only knows how much. Um, 
one other quick story while we're on the lottery stuff <laughs> got me going because I loved I, I loved watching it. It was it was a whole new world for me in college. Um, when you you know they have the barcode on the back. If you yep. take that barcode and hit it on your machine, yep. the store has to pay that out from the right. store. Yeah. So luckily, I wasn't working the cashier, but somebody just handed the guy working next to me a ticket. He did that. It was a five thousand dollar winner. Our registers usually had like around a grand probably right. like non-tat non a check or whatever so he had to call the owner into the store and the owner had to like basically i don't know it was a very go to the like, back or go to the safe well it was it was late it was like on a late saturday night so it was like a bada bean sopranos episode where he had to scrounge up this five thousand dollars and ended up giving the guy just this wad of cash he came in the store like dropped it down uh who knows where he got it from or what but it was it was it was a little sketchy um but yeah and then and then the guy got a stern talking to like make sure you check i mean i mean you didn't have to call the lottery like what's the threshold there i remember there's a couple where they I think it was the i think it was over either 5 or 10 it was yeah. right at it you had to call it, and they actually had to come down. They to have to. They have to do it. Yeah, because because the store I worked for, it wasn't when I worked there, but a couple of years before I worked there, when there was still just the Georgia Lottery, they had a winner, jackpot winner right. from that store. It was like eight million or something like that, and then the store gets a a, a small percentage of that, like twenty thousand or something off of that. The uh, it was interesting to me the ones that would like know. They wouldn't even have to do the whole scratch ticket. There's a code, and they would like know by the code or whatever if it was even had a chance to win or something like that. Three digit code at the bottom. Oh. Like, some people like knew, or there was something where they would see where they didn't even scratch the whole thing. They'd just do a couple things, and they'd be like, "Yeah, not a winner, not a winner." I mean, I always checked every one just in case when they left, but um, yeah, that's interesting because yeah. there was, I mean. We had a lot of conspiracy theories with our regular customers because sometimes I think it was $300 was like if you bought like the pack, you know, each when you put it into the scratch off machine, yep. it was $300 worth of tickets. And right. there were some people that would buy the whole packs, like, yeah, give me a whole pack. Um, and and there was always some like crazy, like they'd look at the back or look at the number or serial and like say, yeah, I want that one or not. But I, I didn't necessarily see any rhyme or reason uh, to that. But that, yeah, that was a whole world. It was, it was, I loved working at the gas station. I wish I could own a gas station now. It was the best. Well, it's funny. I found out uh, like a year ago, whatever, I guess when I was younger, my older sister told me that my dad was like, in negotiations to buy it wasn't a gas station it was a convenience store down the street from us um i don't know why he didn't end up doing it but i was thinking how my future could have been radically different like i just would have inherited running this convenience store and that would have been my life you uh rhode island was never like a full service gas state right back in the day we had it i don't think it was man mandated but like we had full service for a while before until the 90s okay. in the 90s for sure um this there was no gas at this one that he was looking at buying was straight convenience store um but because you know down here it's all one or none you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, like they're like they're they go together you're not right. gonna have one and not the other. we don't have many most most are like I, that was just a rare one that seemed to be it was almost i guess more like a corner market than like a convenience okay. store. i mean but it was just like 
at the near like two streets over from us so i guess he was looking at buying it which i, I yeah. had no idea of that story till my sister told me like years That's, later that is funny because uh when the guy that i worked for sold his it was about two years after i graduated college and my dad like seriously looked into buying it too for me to like run it yeah and it's always one of those like what ifs um Me and Aaron I, do it on the next I, I loved I loved yeah like I loved working there yeah. um we had a monopoly though like now they build a dollar general like two miles from that gas station mm-hmm. whereas before there was no grocery options five right. miles away um so our markup was insane it was yeah. ridiculous so yeah, that was funny. We we, we can do a special Patreon only pod on our guest <laughs> customer service. Oh, oh, I got. I, I at one point in college, I wanted to write a book about um, my time at, at Stop and Shop. Like I'd have to really think back now, but I had at least twenty chapters pegged out mm-hmm. for like, and I only worked there for like th- a couple of years. I mean, yep. worked there that long. I worked there was, two years, and I, you have and endless I, stories, endless stories. That it's 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 so amazing because like now with work, like I'm thankful I'm working from home or whatever, but like. Yeah, you think like when I worked at Goody's department store, <laughs> clothing department store in the the uh, the uh, gas station, and then right out of college was the uh, 2008. So there was no job, so I had to work at Walmart for five, four or five months. Um, like that three year span, I have more stories and mm-hmm. like memories than easily the last like five years of my current job as far oh, as yeah. like funny so stuff that. happening and what yeah it was chaos because you got like only crazy people work there <laughs> or like just kids like us or yep. and then it's all crazy people coming in like yep. it's, you know yep. um yeah it was it was quite a time <laughs> for sure great all right where are we <laughs> uh i think we're through so cat says the choice belongs to the king the king the eric king up. eric yeah eric says we only pick winners here in the nwo he starts whispering some stuff into a couple of the ladies like trying to make them laugh it's taking way too long then he asks for the flowers and crown he eventually announces becky as the winner um makes out with her yeah. Didn't understand that. She's uh, a Miss and, NWO Cedar Rapids yeah. chapter. Yeah, she gets so flowers, a gets sash, the, a crown. Um, yeah, the makeout around the ringside, and then sits on the throne, which is a toilet, a black toilet with NWO sold out on it. Um, this is yeah, it's stupid. It, it, it takes not, forever. She looks lost. She's parading around. Like again, if you're Bischoff, at least pick the hottest girl. Like, I don't get it. Why is he picking, you know, the ugly chick and then making out with her? He's he's a weird dude. The other girls like congratulate her. It's this is bad. Is weird. So bad. This Way might be what the what the check. I mean, we talked about it when we did the uh, adventure with the 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 nuns right. the sisters. How that was drawn out, but like. I think this just being every segment, like segment after segment, like this, this may be my least favorite thing of 1997 wrestling. We'll have to, we'll have to see. It's this up there. Bad. This it's is bad. bad. This is wrestling. Is this worse than Billionaire Ted? Because, mm, mm, let me think, because Billionaire Ted is hateful and not successful. But this, they're also just like two minutes on random TV at the end. 
This it is, is like, more at the end where you could just cut it off. This is a bulk of a big pay per view. Like there has to be, this has to be at least twenty minutes all in, right? I think yeah. I think this is probably more unsuccessful just because mm. of how successful the NWO stuff had been ahead of right. time. Like nineteen ninety five, WWF is not exactly a great barometer of creativity. So, like, Billionaire Ted sucks, but it's kind of on the same wavelength as a lot of what you saw in the product at that time. Um, yeah, this was, this was really bad. It's very disappointing. Uh, are we ready for our main event? <laughs> it's uh, Hogan versus the Giant. <laughs> yeah, we're finally here. We're here. Um, so, I know Hogan debuts Voodoo Child. Uh, it's Super Bowl. I thought it'd been cool if he'd have done it here. It's they crazy do. that he hasn't had it yet. I just yeah. keep assuming, I guess, that they dubbed the NWO music over on the on the Peacock yeah. stuff they were watching. But yeah, I guess he didn't have it yet. I, I would have thought he had it by now. For, I don't I don't know why I would have. They they, uh, they do give him like a little bit of a a uh, different type of entrance with like the right. row starting and yeah. all that, but. Is what it is. He also comes out with three Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Not in Louisiana for the big the big one. Uh Nate Newton, George Teague, Ray Donaldson. It's a pretty big star. I mean, Nate Newton was a big star, right? And Teague. Yeah. All right. Uh Giants wearing black wrist tape, which looks odd. He's never worn that before. I don't I don't know what that was about. Probably uh, forgot his and how to use someone someone else's. He don't wear any, so we'll have to see if he keeps it. Uh, Hogan punches at the giant to no avail to start a chop from the giant. Hogan bells the outside with his bandana still on. Giant chases Hogan, catches him as he rolls in and pounds away. Hogan gives the giant a big chop. Double clothesline from both looked good, I thought. Uh, Hogan walks into the boot of the giant. Giant puts him into the turnbuckle. On the outside, both Vincent and Hogan try to slam giant in the guardrail. He reverses that and sends both of them in. Uh, shoulder blocks from Hogan inside have no avail. Uh, Hogan goes for the inside cradle, and that gets blocked with a big slam from the Giant. Um, I, I, so the crowd's kind of iffy on this. I think they're just kind of burned out on the show. Um, yeah, we'll get to it. Like we we start our finishing run where Hogan uses the powder on the outside. Giant fires bag. Giant misses an elbow drop from the top. Hogan locks on a chin lock and knobs kind of is in the crowd rallying for the giant. Uh, Hogan gives the boot, slams the giant, then hits the leg drop, and the giant gets right up. I don't think you will ever see the leg drop from Hogan get more. Uh, non-sold than this. It, Does he hit it on Brock in 2 I don't know, but Probably this not. was immediate. I yeah. mean, this was like none, the referee's out. or mm -hmm. I mean, this was, he popped right up. It was yep. amazing. Um, he walks right into a choke slam. Giant pins him after the choke slam. Patrick does a slow count like three times in a row, refuses mm -hmm. to count. Then we get our smash finish. Giant choke slams Nick Patrick. Eric says on commentary, I have to go save Hogan. Buff Bagwell runs in. Rough night for Buff. Yeah, not strong. Night. I mean, you know, it, it, again, if this is your young cornerstone, like up and comer, not looking like much of a prospect. No, they treat him like one of the foot soldiers. Yeah. Eric gives Hogan an NWO guitar. Vincent gets choke slam. Wall Street gets choke slam. Bubba gets choke slam. Slicks is clinched in it when Hogan comes up from behind, smashes the guitar uh, on the giant. He goes down. Now the NWO A team is out. 
Uh, Hogan, for some reason, like pulls Giants trunks like all the way down. It gets blurred out on mm-hmm. the network, but he he basically pants him, and then uh, they pull it back up. The crowd's chanting for Sting. Hogan spray paints NWO for life on Giant. Breaks a wooden chair over him. Uh, they mug for the camera as the show goes off the air. So so a really crappy finish here. Like this this is a bad finish. Um. Like I mentioned, I don't think the heat for the giant was very good from the crowd. I think that's or for more... Hogan. There's like no reaction when he dropped yeah. the leg. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I think it's just the crowd was over it and didn't really know how to react. But Miss NWO probably didn't help. Um, yeah. As a match itself, like I'm not going to sit here and say I thought it was good, but I, I do think I'm very much higher on this match than most. A lot give negative stars, like Day's negative 1.5, Scott Keith's negative 2, uh, Keller's like a star and a quarter. I, I mean, I went two and a quarter. I actually thought, like, for what they did in the match itself, it worked pretty well. Um, if you take away the crowd and everything else, like, it's it's not going to be a technical masterpiece, but Hogan plays his role as like a slimy heel that's over his head, uh, you know, is going to need the numbers game to beat this power guy. Uh, Giant, I thought his power stuff looked good. His uh, elbow drop, he was bumping high off of that. Um, it's, it's just the finish sucks. They're kind of boxed in on how to book this because mm-hmm. um, you can't have Giant win. I know Luger originally was supposed to be in the spot, supposedly. Uh, I'm kind of glad he's not. No, it would have been a waste. I like, think that's good that he's yeah. not. Yeah. But um, but I do think they're kind of handcuffed in what they can do. So we get really a nitro finish on a pay-per-view. There's not much resolution. Um, and then you got Piper still lingering. Again, this big NWO beatdown with nobody helping Giant. At least fend off the guys, like I said. Like have security suddenly show up in the crowd. They're yeah. holding back the guys, but I mean, uh, maybe this one I can hand away a bit. Like I said, because Giant hasn't really pledged his allegiance to WCW yet, so they may be like, "Well, screw this guy." You know, why are we going to come down and get waxed for no reason? I guess, but they, they don't play it that way. Like they don't say that, so no. um, <clears throat> it's silly. Uh, all through this early, like early when they're coming out, Bischoff is bragging again about the cutting edge pyro and the music. They're <laughs> they're clearly proud of like doing different things throughout this. Yeah. Um, and it's typical what you would expect for this match, like a big shot from Giant Hogan Bales. Bischoff's pumping up Hogan being a great person. He gets to see him up close. It almost felt like a shoot to everyone who thinks like Hogan's a piece of shit. He's like, you know, I get to see what this guy does up close and personal. Almost brings up the charity. He's like, he's a great guy. He helps everyone out, and like he really goes in heavy handed. Uh, Vincent tries to help. That doesn't work. Um, it's a typical. We get a Bischoff cracking jokes about knobs getting hurt in a street fight. Uh, so again, a second dig at the nasties here. Uh, no pop at all. Like we said to the leg drop, that was surprising. The no sell was crazy. Um, and then the the fuck finish. You get the chanting for Sting. And I thought we had one moment of this whole pay per view that summed this whole experiment up. And I think it also sums up where we're potentially headed with the man on top. And how this could spiral out of control if not kept in check. And that was the credit we get at the end of the show says yeah. Eric Bischoff, a.k.a. King, executive producer. So, like, all right, like, are we, I get it's a gimmick and we're playing along, but are we starting to edge a little too much into egomaniacal Bischoff in reality creeping into how he handles this promotion? So we'll see. 
something to monitor as to when he yeah. starts to maybe get to be too much. Right now, he's kind of been okay. Is like he almost feels a bit like a the lackey in power that they're using. When is like you said on this night, he felt like he's the guy running the show, not Hogan Hall or Nash for the first time. Um, in the past, it's been DiBiase's money, Hogan's power, and the Outsider's brain, with Bischoff being used for his power position in WCW. So we'll see how that goes. Um, no Savage, not much for Sting, even though they're calling for him. They're clearly not ready for Hogan to lose. Giant's not the guy, right? We know Sting's the guy. But we have Giant, we got Piper, and we got Luger. Piper and Luger are hot. Giant's kind of hot. So we'll see how they handle all these things on the Marsha Sting. Um, I thought it was a tough ending to a weird show. I like the creativity we talked about throughout the night, but I went a star and a half on the match. I just, um, I found it kind of boring. I, I found it in line with, with their other stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to count the Robin Hood match really, obviously, but, uh, you know, hog wild, we were kind of whatever on. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It wasn't great, but I thought it was fine. But I did notice that on the, uh, the credit, you know, we got no credit except for Bischoff, which yeah, like you said, it, like it, it just, we didn't it, need it the plays kids. in, but yeah. it's, it's a little, it's a little it's starting to feel like, is this going to become about him versus yeah. the stars, you know? Right. We'll see. Um, all right, let's get to our awards. We have to do our combo awards tonight as well. Um, so match of the night, I think we're both in agreement with Guerrero and Six. Yeah. All right, for moment, I, I don't know. There wasn't a ton. I mean, the Steiners winning was cool, but I ended up going with DDP. I thought that was like the biggest pop was him clearing house and going out to the crowd. Mongo's cheering him on. He rips the shirt off. So I, that's uh, was my pick. Then they open him video package. Yeah, that was good too. Uh, I ended up going DDP as my MVP, too. I actually thought he came out of this night looking the strongest out of anyone. Uh, you know, we didn't get the outsiders of commentary. They didn't have a great night. The Steiners, again, looked pretty good, but we know that's kind of going to be a fuck finish. I thought DDP looked the strongest and the biggest star. My honorable mentions would probably be Eddie and Six for that match, but DDP, I thought, felt the biggest. Yeah, I ended up just going with Eddie. That was my favorite match. Yep. So I picked him. Uh, shots fired. We had Bischoff joking about the 7-Eleven and the free tickets. Yeah. Uh, him saying that guys are running to Connecticut to avoid the NWO. I- I'm not going to count the nasties, I guess, the shots fired because that's not a WF <laughs> shot, but he was shitting on the nasties multiple yeah. times. Glacier. Poor Glacier took a friendly fire. <laughs> um, dropped angle. I-, I put Miss NWO because I- this is like a one and done. We never hear about it, I don't think. like We don't have the chapters in the different cities. I think they realized it was a bomb. Uh, no road report, no debuts besides, I guess, Jeff Katz. You can put him in there. Um, yeah. uh, all right, final grade. What do you got? Um, it's a very tough, tough show to talk about. Um, I mean, so let's before we give our final grade, let's 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 go through kind of crowdsource at the time. Meltzer called it one of the worst pay per views ever up to that point, or maybe the worst. So, I mean, I I don't know about that. Um, let me read. Keller, this is uh, Chris Savisa, uh, who was a columnist for The Torch. He said the NWO held their first pay-per-view, and it really lived up to their initials, not worth ordering. If you don't like that, how about know where the outcome? This was not worth 25 bucks. It wasn't worth one-tenth of that amount. There's one genuinely good match, obviously the Guerrero versus Six Ladder match. The Steiners match was decent in spots and far too long and slowly placed to be called good, but on an otherwise good show, it would have been fine. On a horrid show like this, it just wasn't enough. Ditto for Jericho versus Chono, the opener. Um, and then, but then I think it's his interesting comments on this. So let me read this too. 
I've always believed Vince McMahon had more juvenile bad taste moments than anyone in wrestling. Cross that out after this event. The so-called beauty contest set a new low in what is supposed to pass for comedy. It was not only tasteless, but pointless as well. And that band, what were they? Oh, and that band, what were they? The new Hitler youth beyond bad. The crowd in Iowa seemed dead for most of the show. They probably had the right idea. Other than ref Randy Anderson, why were the WCW wrestlers in the audience? If they had turned the tables on the NWO and gang attacked Hogan at the end, that may have made sense if done well. Instead, they just sat there as dead as the rest of the crowd watching. If one night can take the hottest angle in American wrestling and crash and burn with it, this was the night. Put it on a show without Rey Mysterio, Demon Linko, Crispin Wall, Psychosis, and Ultimo Dragon turned out to be the equivalent of trying to bake chocolate chip cookies without chocolate chips. The oversized toilet bill for the Miss NWO disaster seems the right ultimate signal. It's hard uh, to disagree with any of that. The yes. only thing I'll, I'll say I don't agree with is that it single-handedly killed the hottest angle. I mean, it's a one-night blip. It was been a flawless execution. There, Maybe in the moment you feel it, but yes. looking back, I don't think it's... Yeah, keep that in mind as I read the rest of these, because there's, there's a lot of... I think there... I mean, we talked about it on some mm-hmm. stuff, like the Hogan main events, like even like versus Piper. They were like, oh, it wasn't very good, but it right. did its job. And I mean, I like the match. Here's Bruce Mitchell. The next time Eric Bischoff tongue kisses a housewife, I hope he has the decency to leave the rest of us out of it and to do it behind closed doors. Only someone on drugs would think that Eric Bischoff, not Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, or Hulk Hogan is the real star of the NWO. This pay-per-view could have cemented WCW's momentum as the number one promotion in the country. Instead, Bischoff's bizarre soliloquy about Scott Steiner's injuries and his own kickboxing career were supposed to be the latest in NWO cool. Allison Chains, my ass. Eric Bischoff is not cool. Neither is Jeff Katz. Who so just, why does he mention Allison Chains? I guess because he mentioned it on the pay-per-view. I don't know. Neither is Jeff Katz, who despite being 18 years old, is apparently one of those people who was born looking middle-aged. I say he didn't or, look 18. I would have never guessed yeah, that dude at no. 18. Yeah. Nor is Mike Wall Street or Scott Flash Norton or El Grande or Bubba or Bagwell, and there was nothing wrong with that alleged band that a, a hell of beer could, bottles couldn't cure. The Des Moines crowd certainly didn't find any of these losers hip. The only slightly entertaining part of the evening was watching fans in NWO shirts rooting for the WCW side because the NWO guys were acting like such dorks. Not that the WCW side was any bargain. Bischoff's bizarre behavior wasn't enough to distract from a lot of mediocre wrestling and poor booking. Only six in Eddie Guerrero's two short ladder match could be considered better than average, and Guerrero was thanked ahead of time for his efforts with a blatant racial slur. I guess that's the Mexican jumping bean thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were Sting, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper? The finishes of the DDP, Norton, and Hogan Giant matches were blatant reruns of Nitro finishes. The finish of the Mexican death match between Morris and Bubba was so ludicrous that apparently the Mexican wanted no part of it. NWO sold out cried out for a major angle involving Stinger Piper, but Bischoff was too busy baiting Vince McMahon on the air to bother. And why did the first and hopefully last NWO pay-per-view have so little of the two guys who made this angle and turned the company number one, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash? It was their personas and wit that sold all those T-shirts, revived Hulk Hogan's 
career and made Nitro the show to watch. Where were they, except for Hall's busted mouth and all, carrying Nash again to a two-star match against the Steiners? The two were about as memorable as those yesterday's teen cowboys that accompanied Hogan to the ring. If Vince McMahon and the WWF get back into the game and ECW regains its coolest cult status, Eric Bischoff can remember the night he insulted all of his customers and the performers in the company trying to jam his contempt for them down their throats and know that he and no one else is to blame. That's <laughs> pretty scathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, I think, it's like weird, but some good points mixed in. That's kind of typical Bruce. Um, but before last thing, let's go to the reader comments because I think the reader comments again are very wild. A lot gave this show a 0.0. Um, there is Hunter Johnston that I put on my Twitter who may or may not be delirious. I mean, that's delirious, the wrestler's name, right? So maybe, I mean, he was 17 at the time, he gave it a zero. He says, this show consisted of seven whys. Why do people think the NWO is cool? Why was in Wall Street on a pay-per-view? Why was there a Mexican death match without any Mexicans? Why did the NWO band make me want to go deaf? Why did Eric Bischoff practically make out with the homely Miss NWO? <laughs> Why did Hogan pull down Giant's pants? Why did I pay $27.95 for this garbage? So there we go. And, uh, and then the last three are all 0.0s. We had Paul Smith. The worst pay-per-view ever in the history of pro wrestling. It didn't make any sense. Eric Bischoff is so sickening. This NWO thing has to stop. They've got enough talent in WCW now that they could run a great organization without this NWO crap. Anybody who would ever order an NWO pay-per-view again has to have their head examined. Pathetic, terrible, it stunk. So that's a wild... I mean, that's a wild it's crazy thing. that there was. I know there was like aggravation yes. with it, but I thought it was later yes. when everyone felt like the young guys were getting held down right. and this and that. But right, yeah. Sean Finnegan, the mystique is over. That was without a shadow of doubt the worst pay per view I've seen in a long time. The best part of the night was the ring announcer. That was the only real aspect I enjoyed. And then Mark Golden, my best friends and I get together for every pay-per-view, but this was the first one where I fell asleep while watching. That's not an exaggeration. I literally dozed off. And then this is where I vehemently disagree. Look, I love wrestling, but WCW sucks right now. WCW is at its worst, and WWF is at its best. I wonder if anyone in attendance feared for their lives with an anarchist rock band in the building. So... I mean, again, you see that at this point in time, there was still, like, WWF Mm -hmm. And I know, like, Keller probably published these because it's the most scathing of the scathing. And it's just so funny, like, and the onset of, like, All In and what, you know, all this. Like, it's like art imitates life. Like, it's so cyclical, you know? Like, we're getting the same crap now, like. With the with the tribalism of AEW or yep. WWE, whichever side, it's it's just it's. I it's mean, as weird. someone that was a pretty dyed in the wool WWE fan at this time, yeah. I, I mean, I I liked this stuff. Like I watched Nitro religiously. I taped it. I was in on it. I wanted my side to win, but like I didn't care. Like I I was kind of in the middle ground on it. Like I'm like it was cool. Like I'm surprised that this early in people are already this out on it. Um, because it's not even overbearing the shows yet. Like we're yeah. covering these nitros. They're not on all like I know we're gonna get there where the whole night is the freaking NWO half the time as we move along, but I'm pretty surprised by a lot of this. Yeah, I'll I'll read Chuck Morris's because he has a four. 
Um, he says, I can't believe Eric Bischoff called the Royal Rumble and best of a pay-per-view given what he put out a week later. I enjoyed it on a lot of different fronts, but it could have been a whole lot better. I guess this was this year's version of Uncensored. I thought the latter match might save it for us. The lame ending was pretty bad. I did like seeing Guerrero lead with the belt and have all the WCW wrestlers heel and faces congratulate him. I'm not sorry I bought the show, but the NWO is getting stale quickly. Uh, so, again, at the end, like getting tired of NWO, but overall I thought that was more of like a balanced end. Um, yeah. And and that flows into what I give. I mean, I'm giving the show a 4.5. I, I, I don't think this is one of the worst pay-per-views of all time just because it's so different. Um, I, I can't do that. Like, I would take this over King of the Ring 95 right away, like as a show, probably over in your house four or two of a show we watched on this show, on this uh, pod. Yeah. Um, so 4.5, but I can't call it like better than average either. Like, it had one really good match and then a couple, like the tag title match, I was probably generous giving it three. Um, it's a, it's a low, you know, kind of gentleman's three. Uh, score on that, and then the rest is is below average on match quality too. So, so it's 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 one of those shows where it was cool to discuss and hash out, but you definitely see why they only did it uh, once, like in this manner, and you also see why, um, you know, we'd kind of been talking about leading up with NWO how everything in our mind had been like a grand slam. They constantly hit home runs. They constantly hit home runs. They constantly mm-hmm. hit home runs. And, and this certainly was not like this was the first time they've kind of fell on their face. And it's not necessarily Hall and Nash or even I would put Hogan in that category on this show specifically. Uh, but it is the NWO as an entity and they kind of lost a little bit of their mystique uh, from right. the show with me. I went four and a half as well. Um, slightly below average, still an enjoyable enough watch like. You know, if you take the Miss NWO shit out, like it's fine. Like mm-hmm. to your point, yeah, it may not throw it out to fall asleep, but if I if you told me I had to watch it again right now, I, I'd be fine. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, no way. Um, would I want to take notes and think about it? No, but if I just were gonna put it on and watch it, like I'm fine with it. Um, I think I wanted to give them credit and points for being cutting edge or being different, trying different things. So again, I wanted to balance that into the decisions. It just sucks because this could have really been an all-time classic given what they were churning out regularly with the unique concepts. But instead they were almost, like you said, boxed in. And it feels like this would have been better if they would have ran this like in the summer when, when NWO had more guys in the rank and file, everything was humming along a little bit more. This almost feels a little too soon for what they had going on Mm. to be ready to branch out this quickly. But in their defense, maybe they didn't know, you know, like they may have figured now or never, like, or they were just riding high. They're like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. So, um, so, all right, let's get to our combo awards. It's uh, be an interesting one. So, best show, I mean, based on our scoring, it's the it's Rumble. The Rumble, yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because we were, weren't super hot on that show. Uh, best match also comes from there. I'm going to say it's the Royal Rumble match. Uh, yeah, that one's pretty close yeah. for me. Um, I have the Rumble match the same ranking as Eddie and Six. I had it at four, so that would yeah. bump it. Um Best moment, I, I think we, it's Austin winning the Rumble, I guess. Yeah. Nothing on here was great. Austin for MVP. Oh, I don't know. I might actually vote for that video package. I'm not putting the video package over Steve Austin. That's like a monumental win for him. This winning is the, the Rumble. best video package WCW does. Did you remember it before you put the show yeah, on? Yeah, we are in control. You remember when you went to Everybody go put the show on? We are in control. Sure. Mm. Austin win that Rumble. 
springboards to WrestleMania. It 13. gets retcon the next. Yeah, but it's the best man. It sets up him and Brett. Which they didn't even. It didn't set it up because the next night they're still pushing him versus Bulldog. Yeah, they can't remember it. They didn't know that then. I'm just saying that's a good in retrospect, but I don't think is what it was. Like, I don't think. I mean, to me, honestly, like Austin winning the Rumble is not one like that Rumble itself. It's his performance. It's not that he won it. Yeah, well, if you didn't win, I don't think it stands out as much. I think it's it's the most memorable moment of this month, if you ask 99 of it, 100 wrestling. Yeah, but don't you think that's like history written by winners? I would have told you in the moment that I was pretty pumped when Austin won because I was like a big-time Stone Cold fan at that time. Yeah, you're a WWF guy. (laughs) No, but I watched both shows. I was in on both. Yeah, but Austin's the star of the night. Do you disagree with that? No, that's fine. All right. Better commentary? Probably, uh... Probably Rumble, I think. Yeah, I would call it close because I didn't mind some of the jokes here, but Gibiasi was out of pocket. <laughs> uh, what do we have for buy rate? Buy rate's interesting. I mean, Rumble's not great. Uh, let me see. I had that. Uh, we'll talk about the WCW buy rate. I think that's more interesting. It's a poor, uh, 0.47, around 170,000 buys, which is the lowest buy rate and buy number they've had since Slamboree 1996. It will be the lowest buy rate uh, from a buy perspective. And again, again, when we talk about like estimated buys, I use Indeed Wrestling, which is Chris Harrington. WCW was a public. It's it's not, you know, it's not an exact science, but he kind of calculates it and has in general, what he thinks. Um, according to him, this will be the lowest uh, total number of viewers they'll have for a pay-per-view until Fall Brawl 1999. Wow. Uh, so a long stretch. This this was not a success. This a was not a, a financial bomb. success. Yeah, no, it bombed. Uh, Rumble didn't do great itself, but it's a 0.72 buy okay, so rate. It's right. um, so it's better, but I mean... If you compare the Rumble, I think it's 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 better to compare Rumble to Starcade. Yeah, and Starcade was point nine five. Yeah, so because the Rumble see, is their top three tracking. show. Yeah, yeah, the Rumble's the top three show for WWF. Sold outs, a bottom tier. Yeah. That's that's equivalent to when it's time or uh, whatever. And then, uh, and then you compare Rumble. Let me just do a quick comparison. To Rumble. So the Rumble's a point seven two. Uh, next month, Super Brawl gets a 0.75. So yeah. WCW kind of ekes out. And that's that's probably Super right. Brawl at this point, you know, top four show, I'd say. Um, yeah. Probably not. It's four. just a tough, it's a tough month. Um, I mean, it's a tough, everything about it was tough. Like the, the presentation was cool. Hogan Giants, not the most exciting main event in ring. They didn't buffer the rest of the show with anything great in ring. To I guess they figured Eddie and Six may carry it. I think Jericho Chono, probably underperforming hurt as well. They probably banked yeah. on that being pretty good. Um, the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, they never run Saturday night pay-per-views, right? So that's already a, a, a climb to get people to watch on Saturday night. Then it's up against the Super Bowl. So, like, you're already kind of screwed. I'm going to throw this at you. Do you think they would have been better off? And and we can wrap up this second because we've gone pretty long on this one. But um, would they have been better off having the NWO buy the Clash? And do an all NWO show on free TV 
that Tuesday night after Nitro, do the same thing, get rid of the fucking Miss NWO bullshit, have some matches and Hogan Giant on TV, and they take over the clash, becomes the NWO clash. The, I, I think that could have worked for sure. You're in a condensed time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, the finish, certainly, of Hogan Giant leaves a better taste in your mouth on TV than paper. If you look at the, a lot of the complaints in there, I can't believe I spent 30 bucks on this. I can't believe I spent 30 bucks on it. Right? Like, so yeah. maybe if this is on TV, it's not as shit on, right? Because I think, I think a lot of people were felt burned. You know, right now we're conditioned to paying eight bucks a month or whatever we get all these big we get wrestlemania but 30 bucks for this show i can see being aggravated you know it's like like oh man was that really worth the 30 bucks i'd be mad right now if i paid 30 bucks to watch it so i would say i think if it's for free you take some of that sting away of it like being a bomb on pay-per-view where all the focus plus you take it off the saturday night before the super bowl which i think had to have hurt this a bit they had that they never run shows on a saturday night and then you're up against the super bowl again. Yeah, right yeah, I, that's that's a probably a pretty good uh, different approach they could have taken that would have been more successful for sure. Okay. All right, well, we'll see how the fallout goes. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll cover the, the two nights after this, not the uh, night after yeah. Saturday, but the January 27th, 97. Don't want to cover the Super Bowl? Well, we Super Bowl. Uh, I enjoy that one. Pat's getting waxed. Uh, we can cover the 127 97. Raw and Nitro, um, so that'll be interesting to see how they follow up on this. They're, they're getting a pretty quick turnaround of Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I think on the WCW side, so um, that comes up. Yeah, three uh, weeks, I think. Three, yep. And we're we're almost up to already, like we're a couple weeks away from Thursday, Raw Thursday, from Final Four. So we get a lot going on here in our next few episodes for sure. So stay with us. Uh, leave a comment, like, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us across all of our platforms. We appreciate you. Thank you for watching.
龙珠。